you think we need headphones? Or... Um, no, I don't think so. Check it out. I don't think so. Do you want? Do you want to be able to see these levels? Uh, or do you think uh, it'll distract you? It might distract me. Okay. Now it's gonna distract. Now it's gonna distract me because I'll be thinking about you being distracted by it. <coughs> Are we gonna leave this part in? We can if you want. <laughs> do you wanna? You wanna kick us off this time? Oh yeah, so we can alternate. Yes. Hello. Welcome to. 2002 a Film Odyssey, the podcast where films are discussed, specifically the films of the year 2002. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Andrew. And I'm Dan. And uh, yeah, welcome welcome to the fourth episode. Uh, Daniel, uh, what, uh, what films have you seen lately? Oh man, I've been on the tear lately. I've been watching a lot of stuff. Uh, I mean... Specifically, the we watched uh, Halloween Kills last week together. Yeah. Um, uh, not great. No, it wasn't not terrible, but it wasn't great. But I, I don't know. I was close to liking it. I think. Yeah, it, my my takeaway was that it had some really fun like deaths and kills in it, um, and actually like it it way ups the like gore factor and also just kind of like cheap horror thrills factor from the last David Gordon Green Halloween. Um, but it, it just had a way dumber script. <laughs> That's That was the difference, I feel like. Yeah. There were some silly things that I don't think needed to be in there. But uh, I did like some of the new characters, like uh, Michael McDonald. Yeah, Michael McDonald. Mad, uh, Mad TV's Michael McDonald. Yeah, right. Not, yeah. not the Blue Eyes of Soul. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That would have been something. Uh, yeah, no, it was Stuart for Mad TV. Yeah. Um, which is kind of, I've, I've talked to a couple people who haven't seen it, and, uh, and I, I just, I prefaced my, like, thoughts on the movie by asking them if they remember who Stuart from Mad TV mm-hmm. was. And they're like, yeah, why? And I'm like, well, he's in this. Yeah. I feel like we haven't seen him for a while. No, I don't. Things. Yeah, well, I mean, what, like, Semi-Pro was the last thing we talked about? Or was it, it wasn't even Semi-Pro. I actually don't remember him being in Semi-Pro. It was like one of those Will Ferrell movies, I think, that he was in. Let me, uh, give me a second to yeah. double check that. I think when I, when I think of him in movies, I think mostly Austin Powers. Right, okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Um, the henchman. He, okay, well, he, he does some TV, some appearances here and there, like he did an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. He was in The Happy Time Murders. Mm, I didn't that, see that. That movie that uh, is supposedly awful. Yeah, notorious. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Maybe he's a Melissa McCarthy friend, because he's also in the uh, Ghostbusters with her, ah. Kristen Wiig. I did see that, but I don't remember. Right, him I don't remember it. a minute. Yeah, he plays Jonathan, the theater manager, uh, which I couldn't tell you who that is. And then he's also in Spy with Melissa McCarthy, which I know is I, I haven't seen. I know that's a movie that has a lot of fans. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Yeah, um, we're, we look like real like misogynists here. <laughs> uh, 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 but yeah, so. I, I haven't seen that. Uh, and then mostly just, like, TV. Did yeah. you see Tammy? 
Tammy? No. Yeah. Neither did I. <laughs> no. The last, the last, like, I, I guess Ghostbusters counts, but like the last specifically Melissa McCarthy vehicle that I saw was the Heat with Sandra Bullock, mm. which I didn't really enjoy, but not really like her fault. Just yeah, didn't think it was all that great, but. Um, yeah, he mostly has just done TV and stuff, going back to, like, Dickie Roberts, former child star, in 2003. Okay. Not a movie we're going to talk about. No, no, just missed it by a hair. Right, right, yeah. So, uh, so that was Halloween Kills. It was, it was, it was okay. I don't think yeah. it's, like, not worth watching. No. Like, I, I, I've seen some takes from people that say it's, like, terrible. And when we watched it, that was never, like, I, it never really even crossed my mind. Yeah. Even when it got goofy, I was just like, eh, well, it's, it's, it's closer to, like, one of the, like, lesser loved sequels of Halloween than, than, like, being this objectively awful movie right. that like people were making it out to be yeah like if i was with somebody that said hey let's watch halloween kills i'd say yes sure yeah yeah, yeah. I, it had enough it had enough like goofy fun scares and like like a minor spoiler but i mean not really michael myers like crushes some guy's head with his hands mm-hmm. yeah uh <laughs> which i mean sure that sounds disturbing but like it's just you know it's a horror movie so yeah it's kind of par for the course. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Some fun kills. Yeah. Uh, the score is always good, and even though it's, you know, only partially Carpenter score. But, like, you know, it, it can't help but, like, kind of work when you hear it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, when it, when it wells up. It's one of the best scores ever. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did, like, I don't think this is a spoiler. If you want to... Just plug your ears for a second. I don't think this is a spoiler, but I did like the section at the beginning where it flashes back to the the seventies, right? The original, yeah, where the original they, they made it look a lot like the the original. They did, yeah, and it was like really effective. And I was actually like kind of bummed when the movie like cuts forward yeah. to present day and it just kind of looks like the last one, um, like a modern movie. Not that, you know, it, it it wouldn't really make sense for it to continue looking like that, yeah. but it was a very, like, effective, like, recreation of the, the like, Dean Cundy, like, cinematography. Yeah, it was something kind of about person. the lighting, and it just, it looked a lot like yeah, the original. it was good. It was good. I did like that. And so. then I was like, well, if you could just do this, if you could do this, why not just do this for the whole movie? <laughs> right, right. It, uh, it would give it some real, like, yeah. a real style. Yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, um, so we watched that. Uh, I watched Dune. You haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I have not seen Dune. I think we'll probably I think we'll probably talk about that more on a future episode. Yeah. I loved it. Um, I I've read the book. Um, the book is like one of the weirdest, most dense things I've ever read, but I mostly enjoyed it. Um, so I was really excited about the the Villeneuve uh, adaptation, just because I thought he did a pretty good job with Blade Runner 2049 also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't disappointed. I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, also, a great theatrical experience. If um, I mean, I know it's it's 
it's right to still be cautious about like going out to theaters and stuff like that with big crowds. But if you can, you know, fit in like an afternoon matinee or something on a weekday, if your schedule affords it, um, I think it's great on the big screen and the sound design and stuff, um, goes a lot further in like a movie theater because I watched a few scenes on HBO max. And while I like enjoyed the movie still, it was not the same as seeing it on the big screen. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about watching it at home on HBO Max, but I decided to wait. Yeah, yeah, it's worth it. So yeah. if you want to go see it, I'll go see it with you. Oh, with me, yes. Yeah, not, not with, not with not just with any random <laughs> listener. I mean, I guess, I guess if I know you and you're listening to this and you want to go see Dune, yeah. sure, message me. But. DM, DM me if you want to go see Dune. <laughs> but I'm not like I'm not like for hire <laughs> to anyone who wants to go see Dune. Yes, oh, if I want to, yes, if yeah, I do want to see you, Dune, I'll, I'll you, see You, the it. person yeah. sitting in front of me, yeah, wants yeah. to see it, yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, I've watched, I mean, I'll... I'll just kind of list off a few other ones that I've watched recently. We don't mm. have to really go, go into detail. I watched The Night House from earlier this year with mm. Rebecca Hall. I thought that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched Christine, the John Carpenter movie, for the first time. Mm. Uh, I like Christine. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a pretty light Carpenter movie. Like, it doesn't really have, I don't know, it doesn't have the, the, the gravity of some of his best work but like yeah i don't know it's fun and it's like the perfect use of bad to the bone oh (laughs) yeah Yeah. that song (laughs) because that song is so goofy but like it works perfectly in the context of that movie yeah uh i rewatched the witch which is uh pretty much an annual october viewing for me these days uh very good yeah uh amazing movie um the end is great every single time I watch mm-hmm. it. Um, and then we watched uh, 88 Minutes together last night. Oh, yeah. The uh, 2007 yeah. Al Pacino uh, uh, thriller. Race Against I Time guess. thriller? Yeah. yeah. Dog shit movie. Awful. <laughs> Terrible. Colossal. Yeah. One of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> but, but really funny. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, there's a character in it, which I have thought about like uh, several times today since we watched it. Yeah. And laughed to myself. Uh, yeah. Named Guy LaForge. Yeah. Guy LaForge. <laughs> who wears leathers. Yeah. He wears leathers. There's this guy that looks just like Ethan Hawke that says, ah, oh, he was dressed in leathers. <laughs> <laughs> and he's talking about Guy LaVorge. I, yeah. I lost my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, my ex-boyfriend's name is Guy LaForge. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that movie's uh, nuts. Uh, it's uh, it makes no sense. No, in, in, like at all. It's such a forgettable thrill. Like I, I have a feeling most people who listen to this aren't even going to like know what that movie no. is. Uh, it's just this very like forgettable thriller that like kind of is this. It's I guess kind of like a seven. Sort of thing, but it's it's, a serial killer taunting. Yeah, yeah, but he's like a uh, Uh, Pacino plays a kind of a celebrity forensic psychologist named uh, not Will Graham because obviously that's uh, from uh, like Silent or uh, Manhunter. Manhunter. Uh, 
Jack, Jack Graham? I think it's Jack, Jack Graham. Jack Graham, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah he's, a, he's a forensic psychologist who is like a celebrity, which yeah. seems like a, a, a <clears throat> joke of a premise. Um, yeah, and Neil McDonough is the like serial killer who's taunting him yeah. from death row. Um, Neil McDonough, who most people probably know from Minority Report? Or I guess. Justified? TV also. I think yeah. of him as a TV guy, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 he, he's a guy. You Google, uh, yeah. him, he's, you yeah, Google him and you'll be like, oh, okay, that guy. The the Hitcher remake? He wasn't that. Yeah. He, he has great lines in that movie. Do you yeah. remember some of those? I remember exactly what you're going to say, actually. <laughs> okay, well, what is it? Uh, he says... Um, I don't give I don't, a rat's cock bag. I don't give a rat's cock bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she probably just thought of before they uh, they said action. Yeah. Incredible line of dialogue, yeah. which made me laugh out loud in theaters uh, when we saw that movie. Uh, and that uh, that's not a movie I've seen since no. it came out. Well, yeah. like 2008, was that? I feel like that was like that 2008. That sounds about right. Yeah. 2008, 2009. But, uh... I have always remembered I don't give a rat's cock bag. I think he also says, like, you gotta be, like, five-finger fucking me or something at one point. Yeah. He has a few lines in that. Yeah, instead of, like, oh, fuck me, he says, five-finger fuck me. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he wanted his lines to be memorable. Yeah, he's really going for it in that movie, and, uh... That's probably the only reason to watch the Hitcher remake, yeah. in my opinion. I like Neil McDonough. <laughs> I guess, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't help it when he when he comes up with gems like, I don't give a rat's cock bag. Yeah. Unless that was in the script. Yeah. Um, I did watch one other movie we can talk about in a second. Um, but what what else have you watched uh, since Halloween? Uh, I think the pretty much the only thing I've watched since then is I... Uh, rewatched the uh, original When a Stranger Calls from oh, okay. 1979. That's cool. I've never seen that. Uh, it's a cool movie. You should probably check it out. It's yeah. uh, not... If if you have an idea what it's about, you're probably wrong. Okay. Because you... We saw the remake, right? Yeah, with Camilla Bell. Yeah. Right. And that movie takes place entirely like... Like, in real time, right? Like, in the house. Yeah. Uh, the the original's not like that at all. Like, the that part's basically just, like, the first 20 minutes of the movie. And then it kind of jumps ahead in time. And uh, the middle of the movie is, like, a, uh, like a procedural thriller mm-hmm. with uh, Charles uh, uh, Durning. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. where he's tracking down the killer on the streets of L.A., uh, structurally a very weird movie, but really cool. Like, if you want to see a movie, like, shot in L.A. in the 70s, that's a cool movie to watch. Yeah, that sounds cool, yeah. for sure. Uh, Carol Kane is the the girl who gets the taunting phone calls. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, who most people know from uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Who is she in Kimmy Schmidt? Uh, the neighbor, I think, like the older lady. Okay, I actually, I don't, I don't even know why I asked that. Like, I haven't watched Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> I mean, she's in a ton of stuff, like yeah. Annie Hall, and you know, a lot of stuff. But most people yeah. know her from uh, that. Okay. Yeah. Um, what else I, have you watched? 
Uh, well, I was just going to say before we get onto that, I I saw Camilla Bell at uh, the Art Light once. Yeah. Were you there? Oh, we both that? did. Yeah. Was that okay? I couldn't yeah. remember. Um, yeah, Camilla Bell from the 2006 when a stranger calls. Yeah. Uh, uh, bad movie. We, she was in uh, the There Will Be Blood showing with us. Oh, right. Yeah. Which was funny because. She was in The Ballad of Jack and Rose yeah. with Daniel Day-Lewis, yeah. like, what, like, a year before that? Yeah, like, right that? before that. It might have even been the same I, year. Yeah, right before that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Camilla Bell. I don't know what she's up to lately. I don't think I don't think she's in a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, not a whole lot. Hollywood really, I mean, I would say more so with actresses than actors, really chews up actresses and, and just spits them out after a little while. Yeah. They, have, they seem to have a much shorter, like, shelf life yeah. for whatever reason. I mean, I'm yeah. sure there's lots of reasons which are pretty obvious, but, like, right. yeah, it's it's interesting the way, like, you know, she was star of movies there for a while. Yeah, and, she's a big and, deal for a short period of time. It's yeah, really like, yeah, yeah, and then now she's just not really in stuff. Um, and... I doubt that When a Stranger Calls wasn't profitable. I mean, all horror movies are, like, profitable. That's why they always get made, because they're made for cheap as hell, and, you know, anyone will go see a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know how that did uh, financially. Right. I remember we saw it at midnight, you, me, and Travis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was back when any movie would get a midnight showing. Uh, now no movies get midnight right. which is such a bummer to me. Like yeah. a movie like Dune would have been like the perfect midnight experience for me, someone who read the book a long time ago and was like excited to see it finally or like a, a, a good version of it. I, I do like the David Lynch version. It's just not a great adaptation, I would say. It's a yeah. its own weird curio kind of, of right. the, the Lynch filmography in the 80s. Um, but I wouldn't call it like a good version of Dune. Like the new one is honestly pretty, pretty faithful to the source material. It, it shortens a few storylines and kind of simplifies stuff for the sake of storytelling. But like, it's not bad in terms of uh, accuracy. And they, they did announce that they're doing part two. So I would say if you were on the fence about watching it, because maybe you heard that it's only half a movie because it is, it's only half the book. It doesn't really end satisfyingly. Um, it's worth watching and getting invested in because uh, they did confirm that part two is happening. So Nice. Um, but also, yeah, I, uh, besides that, I watched uh, The Last Duel the other night with Travis, mm-hmm. friend of the show. And, uh, who, who we'll have on here at some point. We will. We so will. you know who we're talking about. But I also kind of like the idea of just referring to him like as this, he's like this mythical figure in just the show. This guy that lore. gets mentioned every episode. Yeah, right. Uh, well, he's, yeah, he's our, he's our closest movie companion that we watch movies with. And, uh, and I feel bad that we talk shit about his taste of movies. No, I tried to defend him a little bit last yeah. week uh, against the wrath of Dennis a little bit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, tra- Travis is eclectic He's taste. He's got good taste. Yeah. And also bad taste. He likes good stuff. He likes bad stuff, yeah. though. So, you know, he's all over the place. Yeah. And actually, uh, I, I he have... likes He likes Hitch and he likes uh, Kurosawa. That's right. Yeah. He, he really loves Kurosawa, and he also really loves Van Wilder. Yeah. Um, 
fascinating. But you know, I mean, that's that's range, mm-hmm. that, that's coveted in the industry. So, yeah. uh, good on him. But yeah, so we saw the last duel uh, two nights ago, and I actually really liked it. Um, I was I was surprised at how much I liked it, considering I haven't really liked a Ridley Scott movie in a while. Uh, it's written by Nicole Hall of Center and Damon and Affleck, which I thought was interesting. An interesting collaboration. There. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, like, how much each of them really contributed. Like, who was the driving force of it? But, uh, yeah, pretty good movie. Uh, good performances. Uh, you know, I think Damon's usually pretty reliable, even if he's a dunce, like, in real life. Like, with that, that shit he said a few months ago when Stillwater came out. Uh, Adam Driver's... Adam Driver's pretty reliable, too. I would say he's kind of, like, one of our more, more reliable, like, leading men these days. Right. Uh, Affleck, ton of fun. Oh, Affleck's, yeah? like, total, That's good to hear. total sleaze mode. Yeah, he's, nice. he's, he's, he's doing basically, like, I guess the analog I would think of is kind of like Joaquin Phoenix and Gladiator. Uh-huh, like, where he's sure. just kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. And he's not necessarily, like, the villain of the story, mm-hmm. um, but he's just kind of, he's just kind of this nasty pervert lord guy. Um, yeah, he, he's having... Sounds pretty good. He's having a lot of fun. It's pretty, it's pretty fun to see that. And then, um, uh, Jodie Comer? Is that her name? Uh, I'm not sure if I know who that is. Yeah, Jodie Comer. She's, yeah. The, she's the lead. She's great. Um, it's, I... It's funny that, you know, obviously Matt Damon and Affleck get talked up for that. Yeah. Uh, but she's she's the star of the movie. She's Matt Damon's uh, wife in it. And yeah. she's very good. Um, yeah. yeah. What else would I know her from? Or... Let's see. She was in... Not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot. She's in... She's in. I don't think you would know her from anything, actually, because she's in two movies you haven't seen, which is the last Star Wars movie, Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> yeah. uh, and Free Guy, which I've never seen either. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen this. Um, yeah. So this was my first time ever seeing her, which is maybe why I didn't know her name off the top of my head. But uh, she's really good. She's really yeah. good. Uh, she really carries it, because I think if if... You know, she wasn't as good as she is. That movie isn't as successful as it is because as much as much as it has the three like you know big name leading leading men, it's it's her story and uh, she she does a great job. Thanks. But um, yeah, it got me thinking about Ridley Scott's filmography. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a weird he's a weird one because. Because he's got, I would say, two kind of unimpeachable classics, yeah. right? We can say that yeah. in agreement. Yeah. I think we've talked a lot about how he doesn't have a lot of... Like, he's got two great movies, for sure. And then after that, it, you kind of are like, well, what else is there? Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, and, and it's it's an interesting filmography because a lot of people love some of his other movies, Mm -hmm. but I just personally don't really feel that strongly about, like, any of them. Like, there's a ton of people that love Gladiator, Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I don't think I'm I don't, one of I those people. Yeah, I'm not yeah. either. I'm not either. Um, like, Black Hawk Down, it's pretty good. Yeah. But, so, you know, some, that's another one that some people love. Um, I've never seen Thelma and Louise. That's, mm. that's one that a lot of people really, really love. Uh, yeah. So that's, I guess, probably like my biggest Ridley Scott blind spot. Um, but yeah, he's, he's so all over the place. He's like willing to do any kind of movie. I mean, the fact that the guy made Gladiator and Thelma and Louise and the yeah. Duelists. A good year. And a good year. Like, I mean, that's, that's an insane <laughs> four list, you know, four movies. So his, you know, I guess he has a lot of range. Um, yeah. You can argue that not all of those movies are successful, but, right. uh, a good a good year I don't think is supposed to be very good. I mean I have not seen it. I haven't either. I haven't either. I remember the trailer pretty well. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's got that uh, Franz Ferdinand song in it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> What's that song called? Uh six sixteen feet? No. Take but, Me Out? No, it's not Take Me Out. It's the other hit off that album that was also used in the uh In Good Company trailer. You might have to Google it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That. It's that, uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to sing it. Oh, why not? Why not? Because I can't remember it right now. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Uh, I'll wait for you to find it. Is it Know You Girls? No. No, no. Here, I'll find it. One second. This is important, everybody. <laughs> I think it was the second biggest song off that album. There's probably some friends, Ferdinand people listening to this that are well, like screaming it. It's funny because I loved that record in like 2000, what, like seven? When did that come out? Uh, 2004, right? Okay. So it was even, yeah. okay, yeah. That, that makes more sense. Yeah, definitely it's a high school thing. Uh, <laughs> this is really important that we find this. Darts of Pleasure? 40 feet is what it's 40 called. 40 feet. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I remember that song now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. All right, cool. Yeah. yeah. Takes me back. That was used in several trailers around that time. Yeah. Uh-oh. Sorry. I'm gonna edit that. You can edit that out. Copyright strike, strike, copyright struck, stroke, stroke. Uh, All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a moment. Let's. I guess before we get into today's feature, which is the reason you're all here, the Count of Monte Cristo. Oh yeah, the Count of Monte Cristo is what we're talking about on this episode. But not yet. Let's. Yeah. Let's. uh, Let's. You know, I guess the last duel is is about French guys, also. So there's some connection. And yeah, it's, it's starring uh, exactly zero French guys, <laughs> uh, just like Count of Monte Cristo. Uh, I, I have a good segue when we get to it. Okay, all right. Anyway. Well, I'm excited yeah. to hear it. I really am. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's go over our Ridley Scott ranks. I also um, I also polled a few of our listeners, so I've got some of our listeners' top fives okay. as well. Uh, so we can go over that, which will be fun because there is some variance. There's some some wildly different lists from yeah. I think ours 
Um, but uh, yeah, how many how many Ridleys have you seen? Uh, I think I've seen about nineteen. Oh, okay, that's more than me. I've only I've got fourteen on my list. Yeah, let me um, look at my list real quick. But. Sure. Oh, I'll start with mine then. Um, so my number fourteen, Ridley Scott, the last on my list. So I'm going to go in reverse order here. Uh, is Robin Hood. Uh-huh. Uh, number 13 is Hannibal. It's okay. a movie I always forget he did. Yeah. Uh, number 12, this, this is maybe probably going to be one of our more uh, varied uh, spots for this one, because I think you have a little more fondness for this movie yeah, than I Yeah, I think I know what you're going to say, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's The Counselor. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, yep, The Counselor, the Cormac McCarthy adaptation. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Diaz does some wild things in that movie. Yeah, uh, very hated performance. I think uh, I I tend <laughs> to agree with them uh, personally, uh, and it's not even I'm not even anti Cameron Diaz. I think she can be all right when she wants to be, um, or when the material suits her. I would say like she's she's very miscast in like Gangs of New York. That's another yeah. movie where it's like, oh, God. Yeah. And that's a good... I like that movie, but she's kind of rough in that movie. Um, but it's not even really her fault. The studio forced her on the project because they wanted Scorsese to get, like, a name. Yeah. Anyway, uh, number 11, uh, Kingdom of Heaven. Extremely boring movie, in my opinion. Uh, never seen it. Never seen it? Never. Really? No. Okay, well... I missed that one. That's fine. I think you're fine. Um, this this is probably going to upset at least one of our listeners based on uh, the list that I uh, was given. Uh, number 10 for me is Prometheus. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Number 9 is probably the hardest one for me to rank um, because I do have like a fondness for this movie, but I don't think it's a good movie, really. Mm-hmm. Um is Black Rain. What? Where did you have that ranked again? I had that number nine. Hmm. Because I think Black Rain's fun. Black Rain's a very fun movie. Yeah, it's very fun. But it's also probably pretty racist. And, <laughs> yes. like, kind of bad. And, I don't know. It It, it, it is an interesting watch. Uh, yeah. Luis Guzman, who's in The Count of Monte Cristo, yeah. is in it. And he's dubbed in the beginning of the movie, which is yeah. very funny to me. Yeah. Did we ever confirm that, by the way? That I don't he's think we dubbed, ever have. But his always, voice doesn't sound like his yeah, voice. Yeah, we've always just assumed yeah. it doesn't sound like him, and it doesn't really match his uh, his lips. Um, so number eight for me is actually Gladiator. Okay. Um, which I would... You put them... Head to head, I would much rather watch Black Rain, but uh, I, I guess I'll concede that I think Gladiator is probably a better movie. Uh, number seven is Alien Covenant, mm-hmm. which I prefer to Prometheus. I think it's just a little weirder, a little more interesting, yeah, um, and fun too. Prometheus is kind of a downer. Uh, number six, American Gangster. Uh, we're not really in, like, movies I really, like, like a lot territory yet, yeah. still. Um, I mean, I think American Gangster is, like, pretty well-made, pretty competent. 
Um, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of his movies, even the ones I don't really care for, I think are generally, like, well-made. He just maybe doesn't always do the most interesting projects to me. Uh, number five. All right, so now we're in my top five. Uh, number five, Matchstick Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not a movie I, like, love, but I think it's, like, pretty good and kind of shows his range as a filmmaker, too. Yeah. Uh, and then number four, I've got The Last Duel. New ah. one in there, yeah. So it, 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 I, I debated putting it three. Um, I ended up slotting it at number four behind one movie. Um, but I, I do think I might end up changing that at some point in the future. We'll see. Um, I've had a lot more, I've had a lot more viewings of my number three movie, which is Black Hawk Down, mm-hmm. which I think is like, a pretty good war movie. Like I don't, I, yeah. I I don't love it, but I do think it's like super visceral and like I don't know it. It for me like it 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 definitely drives home the horror of war and also uh, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's yeah. it's got some good performances and it's cool to see Sam Shepard and stuff always and uh, Josh Hartnett too. Uh-huh. Josh Hartnett. It's too bad it's not a 2002 movie. It's I know. 2001. It tops all of our box office right now yeah. that we're, that we're going to talk <laughs> about, but uh, not a 2002 movie. Yeah. But very close. And then uh, the hardest thing for me, honestly, when ranking Ridley is deciding which one to put one, which one to put two. Yeah. I, I've gone back and forth. We actually listed uh, during quarantine when we were doing our goofy lists uh-huh. for just ourselves. Um I actually had Blade Runner at number one and Alien number two, but I yeah. switched them. Okay. I have Alien at number one, Blade Runner number two today. Um, but, I don't know. I'm, I, it's splitting hairs mostly. I think they're both great. Yeah. Well, Alien's kind of a perfect movie. I think Alien's the number one. Yeah. Yeah, just because of what it did for multiple genres. Like... You think about what it did for the horror genre, what it did for the sci-fi genre, and yeah, it's it's a incredible film. Yeah, terrific pace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So I I think I said earlier I had nineteen Ridley Scott movies, but it was actually seventeen that I have seen. How many have you seen? Fourteen. Fourteen. You bested me. I guess. But I've I've seen uh, movies that are worse than <laughs> some of the movies you mentioned. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, so for number seventeen, I've got uh, Exodus, Gods and Kings. Not a good movie. <laughs> I never. I, yeah, the the Moses movie. I had no uh, no no designs. <laughs> not not a good one. Uh, then I got Robin Hood. Okay. Uh, after that, I got Hannibal. Hannibal sucks. Yeah. And especially because it's a sequel to, like, one of the best American movies ever made. Yeah. Another movie I think is pretty much perfect, but... Absolutely, yeah. Silence of... Yeah. I I rewatched Silence of the Lambs during quarantine, and it, like, the last time I had seen it before then was, like, high school, which I thought it was, like, good, but also just kind of like, oh, it's just a movie that you're supposed to see. Yeah. Uh... But it blew me away how good it was on that rewatch. Yeah. Um, That's one of those... Silence of the Lambs, I think, is one of those movies that we take for granted. Oh, totally. Yeah. It 
you know, it, it, yeah, I think we, uh, we don't appreciate that movie as much as the, um, the blank check episode uh-huh. on Silence of the Lambs with Emily Vanderwerf, who's trans, um, is a really incredible podcast to listen to if you are interested in kind of like the sort of trans dialogue on that movie. Because that, that's a movie that gets criticism from, you know, yeah. some members of the trans community. You know, and well well reason like it's not like infallible in that regard but um it's really interesting to hear emily's take on on that movie and like why it's so great and like what it says about the trans community and stuff it's it's a really good listen yeah anyway yeah. we're talking ridley though. yeah sorry before we get to the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, we're not even really talking ridley but we are uh where are we so uh, so Hannibal, I got number 15. Uh, 14, I got, uh, All the Money in the World. Oh, I never saw Which it. I thought was all right. I am curious about that. I did watch, like, the FX show that Danny Boyle did about the same thing, okay. Trust. And I know that, like, the story is that after Spacey obviously got kicked off the project and they yeah. had to reshoot with Plummer is they just, like, hurried those reshoots along so that they could get that movie out before the FX show. Yeah. (laughs) So there's, like, competing John Paul Getty projects in, like, 2000, what, like, 17 or whatever? Yeah. 2018. Right. Uh, After that, I got uh, number 13, G.I. Jane. Okay. Never seen that. Uh, it's okay. Uh, if Travis were here, I think he would really go to bat for G.I. Jane. Well, I have Travis's top five <laughs> after this. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, did he send it in? I got one. Oh, nice. Him, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, 12. Uh, all right. This is where we might get a little controversial. Uh, I got Prometheus. Yeah, I mean, that's close. I, I had it at 10, so. Yeah, but. I don't think Prometheus is good. No, I don't. I think it's all right. It's got some stuff. Yeah. It's it's intriguing. Um, I remember when the trailer came out, I was like, oh, this movie looks badass. Yeah. I mean, we we were both very excited for it at the time. Um, My problem with, like, most Damon Lindelof stuff, like, Lost, obviously, is that the dude doesn't know how to end anything, and I think my biggest problem with Prometheus is the, like, ending. So, yeah, kind of true to form there. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't really hate any of these I don't movies. hate, yeah, I don't hate, I would say, basically, <laughs> all but maybe, like, two of my uh-huh. list, I don't hate. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, number 11. You might have some thoughts on this. Okay. I've got The Counselor. That's higher than I would. I, I know it's higher it. than you've got it. I think the counselor's bad, but I <laughs> I can also understand, I guess, thinking it's interesting. Yeah, which I do think it is an interesting movie. Uh, I I know there's some people that would say it's like a masterpiece that people didn't get. There are people. That say uh, I that. would not go that far, but I do think it's got some merits that are worth defending. I, it's one of those movies where I, I feel like eventually I'll probably try it again. Because sometimes I'll watch a movie and I'm just not in the, the right 
mood or headspace for it or whatever. Yeah. And then I'll revisit it and have more appreciation for it. I right. don't know if it's going to be one of those, <laughs> but it is the kind of movie because I, I do admire Cormac McCarthy as yeah. a writer. That like and all it, his themes are there, right? Yeah. Right. It's it's got all it hits all his notes. It's yeah. Just, I just remember just being like, this sucks. <laughs> but I don't know. And it, I yeah, if you're going to enjoy it, I think you do have to be in a very specific mood, right? Because it's not an easy. Uh, it's not a movie with a an easy entry point. Like you got to like get on its wavelength, which I think is a little tricky because. The characters don't talk in any kind of uh, (laughs) (laughs) natural way, like, like not even remotely. Right. Uh, Like, they all talk like philosophy majors. Yeah. And they all, like, it's about criminals that talk in metaphors. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I watched it a couple times, and uh, I didn't enjoy it each time, but... Sometimes I enjoyed it more than others. So I do... I wouldn't say it's, like, great, but I wouldn't say it's terrible. Great Javier Bardem look in that one, too. Yeah. Kind of like a Guy Fieri uh, haircut. Yeah, sort of. yeah. He looks like he was, like, windblown yeah. constantly. Like, like uh, he looks like the guy in that old, like, Max L commercial that gets blown away by his sound system. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so number ten... I got Gladiator. Okay. Nine, I've got Covenant, Alien Covenant. Okay. Uh, which, like you, I do think is better than Prometheus. Yeah, I mean, the stuff with, like, the two Davids <laughs> in that is, like, really fun and interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then also... It's like, think... it's, one David is kind of, like, seducing the other David. Yeah, yeah, that stuff's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and then also, I think the, like, the actual alien scares and stuff are a little more... Visceral and fun. Yeah. Too. Uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, like the part where the, uh, uh, the alien bursts out of one character's spine, I think looks really good. Like the, the chest or the bursting, uh, yeah. I don't think has ever looked better in an alien movie. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and then number eight, I've got American Gangster, which is a movie I, I don't love, but I, I think it's all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The more I think about that movie, the more I kind of like it, but I don't I don't love it. Yeah, it's not a movie I've watched in a very long time. Yeah. And there isn't a lot really that compels me to, but, um, but yeah, I, it, it is a movie that, like, as time's gone on, I just kind of like, yeah, you know, that was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. But not like, yeah. oh, I gotta watch that again. Uh, number seven, I've got The Martian. Okay, Did you seen, say The Martian? I haven't seen The yeah. Martian, no. The Martian's pretty good. Yeah. It's a crowd pleaser. Right, yeah. right. Uh, I <laughs> I love... The funniest thing about The Martian is that it, it got, like, awards attention as a comedy from, like, yeah. the Golden Globes. Right. And from everyone I've ever talked to that's seen that movie, no one says it's a comedy. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, number six, I think this, this is higher than where you had it, but I can't help it. I've got Black Rain. (laughs) Black Rain's a movie where maybe, maybe someday we'll have to do like a one-off episode or something on Black Rain or like do a trilogy on those like 
weird 80s, yeah. uh, early 90s movies like Rising Sun and what's that Mickey Rourke one? The Oh, Year of the Dragon? Year of the Dragon, yeah. the one that's like super racist. Um, yeah. Well, all these, all those yeah. movies are kind of well, it's, they're, <laughs> xenophobic. They're, yeah. they're always about like one thing and it's Western cop, kind of rough uh-huh. around the edges, yeah. has to investigate Asian gangsters. Right. And it's always like, get a load of these guys. <laughs> yeah. That's like the whole premise. You know what fits right in there, and we watched this during quarantine, is uh, Kinjite with uh, yeah. Charles Bronson. Right, right. Chuck. That that was fun. That was fun. Uh, yeah. Racist. Oh, super racist. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of like... Yeah. Uh, now, now I sound bad for saying it was fun. <laughs> but no, I get what you mean. Like, uh, yeah, just like a like Black Rain. Like, it's a fun, uh, cheesy '80s cop movie. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You just if you can laugh at all the cliches and yeah, you yeah. can't take it too seriously. Right. Uh, number five, I got Matchstick Men. Sure. Yeah. Which uh, good Cage, good Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Good we Al- saw it together in 2003. Yeah. Good Allison Lohman, too, uh, who is another actress that's just not really in stuff anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good movie. I watch it every, I don't know, not super often, but, like, I've seen it, like, a handful of times mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, number four, I got Black Hawk Down. Solid war movie. I'm curious what your number... Th- oh, okay. I know what your number three yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, number three is uh, Thelma and Louise. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's that's the one. Because I think Ridley Scott, you can say for sure he has two classics, as we talked about. But I would say Thelma and Louise is kind of the, the third one. The closest to being a third uh, Yeah. I mean, I would for, say for so. For most people, yeah. 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 Very, very good movie. Uh, you should check it out. Yeah. Uh, and then number two, I got... Uh, Blade Runner. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we have the same top two. So number one, I got Alien. Okay. Yeah. It would have been funny if you just didn't say Alien. You just <laughs> said like, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, one of his one of his weird swashbucklers. <laughs> have, have you never seen The Duelists? No, that's what I was gonna yeah, ask I want you to about see that one. Uh, yeah. The Duelist. Yeah, that's actually my big segue. Oh, okay, because okay. I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure... No, it's the same, it's the Napoleonic era, so same yeah. same time in France. Same costume designer, right? Oh, yeah. interesting. Same okay. costume designer, I mean, I think, if I'm wrong, we could edit that, but pretty no, I'll, sure. I'll, I'll check. Before, yeah. before we get on to our feature, let's go over just a few of our listeners' top five oh, releases. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a few of them sent in. Uh, from our loyal fans, thank you so much for listening, for rating, reviewing, subscribing, um, giving us money if you want to. You haven't, but you can. Um, all right. So I've got, let's start with Dennis. Yeah. Former guest, future guest. He's going to be on again pretty soon, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, he sent in his, which is an interesting one. It's a yeah. different, it's a different list. Uh, than I think I would have expected. But um, number five, Blade Runner. Number four, oh. Thelma and Louise. Mm. Number three, Matchstick Men. Number two, Prometheus. Mm. Number one, Alien. 
Well, I agree with the number one. Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm curious. Next time we have Dennis on, I want to ask him about Alien Covenant. Because he clearly likes Prometheus a lot. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious what he thinks of Alien Covenant. Um, got Gilbert. Gilbert sent in his. Uh, his is Gladiator. But Gladiator is qualified with an I guess. Okay. So, so I don't think he feels super strongly about Gladiator at number five. Uh, the Martian. Uh, Blade Runner. Thelma and Louise and Alien. So... Alright. Um, Alright. Okay. So the, I guess I gotta check out the Martian. Um, uh, we got McCannimals. Uh, that's his Twitter name. This is from Twitter. He's got a, he's got an interesting one. He's got a movie that neither of us listed on ours at all. Um, and this is his this is his personal favorite, so you know, hey, gotta respect it. Uh, number five is Alien. Number four is Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Number three is Prometheus. Yeah. Another Prometheus hit. So maybe, maybe that's another movie you've got to revisit, maybe. Uh, number two is Legend. Yeah. I've never seen Legend. Yeah, I've also not seen Legend. Yeah, obviously, we didn't list it. Yeah. But uh, Tom Cruise, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe uh, I believe Arrow did a, a release for it. Yeah. So we could yeah. check that out. Yeah. I guess I'm not like a huge fantasy guy. Yeah. Maybe that's always Same like what kind of turned me off. Yeah. Um, but Legend, Legends is number two, and number one's Gladiator. Okay. All right. Um, and then last but not least, we got 2002 <laughs> Film Odyssey legend, Travis. Travis, yeah. Uh, with his top five, he acknowledges that it's controversial opinion time. Okay. Um, uh, there's one stunning omission from his top five, I would say. Mm. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna assume. Oh, he says in no order. So I'm oh, just gonna okay. read, I'm just gonna read his read his five. Um, but he's got Gladiator, which I would say that's probably his one. Yeah, based on uh, yeah, what yeah. I know of Travis's, he he really and, likes Gladiator. He really likes Gladiator. Yeah. We've watched it at his house before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The director's cut. Which uh, dude, never mind. I remember that DVD. Yeah. Uh, number two, well, not number two, just next, Black Hawk Down. That's another movie mm-hmm. I know Travis loves a lot. Yeah. Um, he's got The Martian. Okay. It's another Martian shout out. He's got Alien. And then he's got G.I. Jane. Yeah. Those are his five. Yeah. That makes sense for Travis. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I, I know he's a big G.I. Jane head from the 90s. Yeah. Um, Which no Blade Runner. Jim Caviezel in it. Jim Caviezel. Yeah. That's right. The star of The Count of Monte Cristo and uh, QAnon supporter. Yeah, uh, yeah no Blade Runner. Have to, I, I'm, sure I've, I'm sure I've talked about that with Travis. I think yeah. he thinks Blade I, Runner. I don't think boring. he really likes Blade Runner. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe he likes parts of it. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But, yeah. Let's, uh, let's get on to our feature then. Yeah. So, did we ever confirm that the same costume designer who worked on The Duelist worked on, uh... Let's see. We can check that out right now. The movie du jour? The movie du jour. Costume designer Tom Rand. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's the Count same of Monte Cristo. Yeah. 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 Same costume designer. I wonder if he, like, just had 
a lot of those <laughs> costumes from the Duelist. And I, it was just like, well, I got these. So. Yeah. <laughs> because it's roughly the same time period. Yeah. Um, like Napoleon era. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, I think I remember reading that uh, uh, Dan Stevens wore uh, the costume that Luis Guzman wore, like that red uh, that red suit uh, in another movie. Interesting. So they've shared the same costume at one point. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, The Duelist is not a, a Dumas adaptation, yeah. but it is kind of a similar, uh, similar thing in that it's like two very American guys, um, not that everyone in Count of Monte Cristo is American, but two two decidedly not French guys uh, playing like French like aristocrats, <laughs> right? Uh, which is kind of funny, and also that's how the last duel is too. Like it's it's all American guys playing these French guys, and they they speak with like English accents, not yeah. French accents, which is a funny thing. Have you seen the last duel? Was what? that on your list? The last duel? Yeah. Or, no, I'm sorry. Uh, the duelist. No, no, yeah, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't seen the Duelist. I want to, I want to. Yeah, uh, that that's that's been on my watch list for a while. Yeah, um, and maybe now that you know we rewatched the Count of Monte Cristo, maybe it is something I'll yeah I'll, I'll like check out with a little more swiftness. But yeah, Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, January twenty fifth, two thousand two. Yeah. So we made it to January twenty fifth. This is the big day. This is this is a day where we have. Five movies that we're going to talk yeah. about on this show that we're going to sp- out. spread apart across a couple different episodes. Yeah, I think what we're doing five movies, four episodes, right? Yes, we're jamming one of them. Yeah, we're jamming two of them together. So we're doing them in alphabetical order. Is that what we decided on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because this was not the biggest release of that day. I thought it was actually. Would it have been Black Hawk Down? Well, that was number one, but I mean, like, of the new movies that came out on January 25th, this uh-huh. was not even the biggest one. Oh, really? Yeah, I, 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 th- I thought for sure it was, but it wasn't. Yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah, well, let's say what the uh, the five movies are that came out on January 25th, Well, let's do them in 2002. Or, yeah, we'll do them in order of when we're going to talk about them, so I guess alphabetical. Alphabetical, yeah. yeah. So, number one is The Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. Up next is... Uh, Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Yeah, Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Right. Uh, and then after that, uh, it's going to be The Mothman Prophecies. Right. Uh, which we're going to do a, a split episode with uh, tor- uh, storytelling. Double feature with yeah. storytelling, the Todd Solondz movie. Yeah. Which got a limited release on that day. Um, and, I, you know, I would say not every limited release is going to get talked about on this show, but that's a movie we both have seen before. And, you know, Todd Solondz is kind of an interesting filmmaker, so... He's worth worth talking about. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then the very last one, arguably, I think, maybe the one I'm most excited to watch, Uh because neither of us have seen it. Uh, Yeah. It's a movie that in 2002, we would have been like, oh, that's a girl movie or whatever. Right. Which makes it sound like we were, like, nine, (laughs) but... You know, you well, get, we were close to nine. We were fourteen. <laughs> close to, I mean, I guess closer to nine than we are now. <laughs> yeah, I would say fourteen's close to nine. But yeah, a walk to remember. Right. The Nicholas Sparks adaptation. Yeah. Um, 
which I, you know, I sometimes tell people about our show and I tell them like uh, what episodes are coming out soon, which ones we've done and which ones are coming out soon. And I tell them, oh yeah, we've never seen a walk to remember. And that's when we're going to watch it. And they're like incredulous. Um, so I've never, yeah, I've never seen it. Right. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting one. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've got people that want to be on it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I, I have a guest lined up. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, but we got to get through Count of Monte Cristo yeah. first. Right. Which is our first movie of the day, our fourth movie of 2002. And, uh, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but probably the best so far. Uh, I Personally, I would say easily the best. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I would say, I mean... I would say it's, I guess, close with to Orange County, but it, I would definitely say it's better. Yeah. Uh, I would, too. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, is this a movie we really have to do the plot synopsis, like the quick synopsis for? Because it's such a well-told... Right, uh, right. Of course, classic Alexander Dumas like, story. It's been adapted, like, a dozen times. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess we can do the two-sentence pitch, which is just... Yeah. A man uh, is wrongfully imprisoned. Yep. And, uh, you know, he wants to basically seek revenge on the the men who put him in prison wrongfully. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and it's in uh, Paris. Yeah. French Napole- Yeah. Napoleon era. Yeah. Yeah. Um... The thing I didn't know about, because I've never read the kind of Monte Cristo. Um, I was going to ask if you read it because I thought we read it in eleventh uh, grade. Did we? Uh, I think I did. Okay, yeah. Well, I don't remember that. Uh, I mean, if I did, I, <laughs> I, I guess I just instantly <laughs> forgot it, which is certainly possible for eleventh grade. Yeah, maybe we didn't have the same eleventh grade English teacher. But That's, yeah, yeah, definitely possible. No, yeah, we didn't. I remember we didn't. Okay. I remember my eleventh grade English class. Yeah, because um, that was where. Uh, a former NFL player used to copy off my homework. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> we can leave that in because you didn't say his name. That's right. I didn't yeah. say his name. I mean, I don't care. He'll never find out. And that guy has millions of dollars. NFL player. Yeah. yeah. You'll have to tell me off mic who yeah, that is because yeah. I didn't know. He played for the Dallas Cowboys for a number uh-huh. of years. Made a lot of money too. Got a second contract, which is hard to do in the NFL. But um, good for him. I like. Yeah, he was kind of a dick, but. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, but we went to high school with a lot of dicks. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but he could have just yeah. He was he was a transfer because he was good at football. Basically, mm. that was like why he went there. Okay, so maybe he just was on high alert from all the dicks at our school too. Yeah, so maybe he, maybe he wasn't that bad. But he did copy off my homework <laughs> a lot, which I, I I didn't really care. Go ahead, <laughs> but. uh <laughs> Yeah, so where were we? Uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. By, uh, Alexander Dumas. Yeah, so I've never read it. I've yeah. never read it. I, I read it for school okay. in 11th grade, which was a long time ago at this point. Uh, so I know, I remember it well enough to know that the this version is quite different from, well, pretty different from the book. Yeah. Some I mean, new characters are added. and Yeah, so the... the the biggest change, I think, is the Guy Pierce character, right? Yes. Being his, like, former friend. Right. Because they weren't friends in the 
the the book, if I right. remember right. Yeah, that was a screen. The screenwriter had had that change, um, which I, yeah, I, his reasoning is sound enough because his his reasoning was that if you make them friends, it'll make the hatred that uh, Jim Caviezel's character, yeah, uh, Edmund Dantes, yeah, uh, feels feel a little more real and a little more earned. And, yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of funny to think that this random screenwriter is, like, <laughs> telling Alexander Dumas, like, of a, like some, like, storytelling notes. But <laughs> Yeah. I mean, for, like, a very condensed version of the book, uh, where you want to kind of wrap it up in a nice little package that you can... You know, like a mass market thing that a lot of people will go see. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jay Walpert is the screenwriter okay. of this okay. movie. Uh, who, uh, I think he was, a, if I remember right, he was a producer on some game shows, like, back in the 70s and 80s. Uh but, uh, yeah, and I think he went on to write uh, the story for uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Interesting, because I was going to say that this is kind of in, like, a sort of resurgence of the, the swashbuckler yeah, genre. Yeah, swashbuckler. Yeah, because you had, what, The Musketeer yeah. in 2001. Yeah. With, like, Mina Suvari in that and stuff. Right. And then... Uh, you got this, and then the very next year is Pirates. Yeah. So, it's kind of a... I mean, I know this isn't about... This movie is not about pirates, but it... Yeah. Well, there's some, like, smugglers in the movie. Yeah. I mean, and it's yeah. roughly the same time period, I'm sure. I'm sure some, like, history person might hear this and be like, what the fuck? No. Yeah. You're <laughs> <But>, way off. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, come on. It's close enough. Yeah. Uh... But anyhow, what was I talking about? Uh, oh, the screenwriter, Walker. yeah, mm-hmm. who I think was uh, on. I just read about him not that long ago. He was a contestant on the original uh, Jeopardy. Oh, it was like a big winner. The very first, like the original, like in the late sixties or oh, wow. early seventies, and then I think he went on to produce some game shows. Okay. Uh, I mean, you can edit that out if that's not true, but I'm pretty sure it I'm is. Sure, it's true. Uh, yeah, so he wrote this movie and he made some changes. Uh, should we talk about, uh, oh, well, first off, did you see this movie in theaters? No, I didn't actually. Yeah. I saw it on DVD, uh, later. A lot of these movies, um, I think I saw on DVD, like from roughly this time period, because yeah. my dad was a big DVD collector, like, at this time period. And, yeah. and I am now a Blu-ray collector myself, so I guess that's where I got it from. But my dad was big into, like, home theater and stuff. Um, you know, so obviously we'd go to the movies a lot, but I would say for a lot of these, I saw them for the first time on DVD, because my dad would, you know, on New Release Tuesday, we'd yeah. go, we'd get whatever the new new ones there was this magazine that we used to get um i don't remember what the magazine was called (laughs) but they reviewed all the new dvds and stuff and we would get any of the ones with like good marks for picture and sound and stuff and you know this was also a movie too that 
I feel like had like good word of mouth. This was kind of it wasn't a huge hit, no, but it was kind of one of those movies where it was like when it came out, people were like, you know, that was fun, that was yeah. good. So um, people would say that was good. Yeah. Like in that tone. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that movie. Yeah, it was yeah, good. No, no, like, overly emphatic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People, you wouldn't hear anything else. Like, they wouldn't continue talking. They'd just be like, oh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. 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 I don't think, I don't think I feel that strongly even about it, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I get it. I yeah. I get it, at least. Uh, yeah. I, I saw this in theaters uh, opening, uh, maybe not opening night, but I think Travis and I maybe saw it, like, the weekend it came out okay. together. Yeah. 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 And we both thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I mean it's it's an interesting it's an interesting time period because Caviezel, I don't think I really knew too much about him at this point. No. Um, because he did probably the only thing we would have known him from at this point really was the thin red line, maybe? Yeah, right. Which is stuff that I didn't see until later. I didn't see the thin red line until much later. Yeah. Um I saw that on video uh after it had when it came out on video. I didn't see that in theaters, but I saw it like late nineties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I remember the thin red line was like it was the one that I was like told No, I don't think like as a yeah. kid or whatever, like, like I, I got to see Saving Private Ryan, which is yeah. like much more like uh, graphic, right? <laughs> but but Thin Red Line, being a Terrence Malick movie, is like much more lyrical and yeah, you know, introspective. So like, I guess that makes sense, but also seems backwards in in a way too. Yeah, and uh, also I think the word of mouth on the Thin Red Line is that it was boring, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. it was a movie that like. Oscar yeah. voters and stuff loved. And People were like, see, public. This, see Saving Private Ryan, but that's not that's what, the thin red line. That's what happens anytime a Malick movie gets any kind yeah. of like attention, awards attention, is that people go see it not really knowing what, what they're getting into. And yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck was that? Like Tree of Light from Travis, who, you know, whenever we have him on, can talk about yeah. how much he hates the Tree of Life. Right. Um, but I think Travis likes the Thin Red Line. He does. Yeah. He does. He likes war movies. So. Yeah. Um, the Thin Red Line is great. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Classic. Um, but I did like Guy Pierce at the time that this yeah. movie came out. Because I did see Memento in theaters, strangely enough. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. I, I, I didn't see Memento in theaters, and Ooh. I loved it at yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. My dad and I went to the... Um, the theater that you and I go to all the time, I won't say the name of it, uh-huh. but um, that, the one that we go to still to this day, and that's where we saw it, it was late in its theatrical run when it uh-huh. had expanded quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, Memento was that, you know, that really cool movie that, like, everyone yeah. was talking about and yeah. stuff. Puzzle Box movie. Puzzle Box, totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Memento. Saw it in theaters. I was probably a little too young to, you know, really really see a movie yeah. like Memento, but, um, yeah, I thought it was so cool. Yeah. And that was, I, that was right around sort of a transitional period for me getting into like yeah. what I deem as like cooler stuff. Yeah. Um, and stuff that like, I would say most of the stuff I watched before that hasn't really stuck with me as an adult, uh-huh. but like some of the stuff right around that time yeah. period is when I was getting into stuff that I still regard as right. being good. Yeah. So, 
uh, Memento was one of those. So I was like, oh, that's the guy from Memento. That's yeah. cool that he's in stuff. Yeah. Memento, I thought, was the coolest movie I'd ever seen at that point uh, yeah. in time. I mean, like, to, like, my little, like... 12 year old brain or whatever yeah. when that came out it, it blew it away just because yeah. i'd never seen anything that like had that kind of weird structure and stuff yeah. that memento had yeah and uh yeah i think i i saw that like around september of 2001 and then you know i think i watched it a lot in 2002 and i think that's kind of one of the reasons that uh 2002, I kind of think of as such a special year because uh, that's like I think the year where I was like, oh, I'm a cinephile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, totally. I don't know if I really had heard that term a lot before that, but I was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm one of those guys. Yeah, I'm a cinephile. Yeah, yeah. kind of kind of the year that really cements that yeah that kind of in in your personality. Yeah. Like I like mature movies. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause that was the year you started keeping your binder and brought it to school. Yeah. Where I kept track of <laughs> all the movies I'd seen and I'd give them letter grades. Yeah. And I'd go up to people and be like, Hey, take a look at this. I've got, a, <laughs> I've got a list of all the movies I've seen well, this year. You made exactly one friend that way and it's me. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess, I don't know if it's worth it, but that uh, is that is how we met. I yeah, think I, it, yeah. we, we talked movies. That was it in PE. Um, yeah, and then the third lead of this movie is um, what's her name? Uh, uh, the uh, oh, who plays Mercedes? Yeah, uh, D- Dagmara Dominczyk. Dominczyk. Yes, um, Dagmara she's a Dominczyk. Polish actress, right? Um, not an actress I've seen in a lot of stuff. Right. Um, she hasn't really been in too much. Um, she is on Succession now, which yeah, I've never seen. I've never watched it. Right. But so she's doing well, you know, she's on that. Yeah. Because that's a big cultural phenomenon. Um, yeah, that's our leads. Yeah. I know her mostly from this, I think. Right. Yeah. I, it's, I think the only thing I've ever seen her in, so... I think she's married to Patrick Wilson. Yeah, she is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then there's some interesting, you know, there's some, uh, you know, we got Luis Guzman in the secondary mm-hmm. cast and Richard Harris. Luis Guzman, who... I don't I don't understand why you put Luis Guzman in this movie. Because <laughs> he can't really do the Luis Guzman thing. He kind of does, though. He kind of still does a yeah. little bit, but it's still, like, a neutered version of it. Yeah. And then it's like, well, then if you're not going to let him go all the way, why even get Luis Guzman at all? Yeah. Right. I think when he shows up in this movie, he's pretty good, though. Yeah. Yeah. The knife fight. <laughs> yeah, the knife fight. Uh, yeah, well, we'll get to it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Luis Guzman doesn't change his voice at all. No, he's just Luis Guzman. He just Guzman. sounds like Luis Guzman, yeah. which is great. Like, yeah. I mean, that's always fun. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of funny because he's, he's a Puerto Rican guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's playing, I guess, a Spanish guy in this? Uh, a Spaniard? He plays... What's his character name? Uh, he's in the book. Uh, Jacobo? Or no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Luis Guzman, I think, is good in this movie. I would say he might be the saving grace. Yeah, I mean, it's always fun 
to see Luis Guzman yeah. and stuff. Um, Richard Harris is in this movie, too. One of his, I think, his second-to-last film role. Yeah. His, his very last one was Dumbledore, because he famously yeah. was Dumbledore in the first two Harry Potter movies. Right. And then died. Yeah. Um, but this was also 2002. Yeah. Chamber of Secrets, which we'll get to that, that will come later. out in November, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a movie we'll get to way down the line. Um, he's in that, but yeah. he, he passes away, I think, in November 2002. So right yeah. around the, the I know it's some time this year. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So he's in this. He plays the the priest, uh, the guy in the prison, who, yeah, who teaches him. Like, combat. Yeah. And then also tells him about the treasure. Right. Uh, should we start... Should we talk about the beginning of the movie? Like, the yeah, first act? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, it starts with uh, Jim Caviezel, who plays Edmund Dantes, and uh, Guy Pierce, Fernand Mondego. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, uh, they're at war, right? And they... They they run into Napoleon. Yeah, shout out to Napoleon. <laughs> yeah, Napoleon cameo. In I, d- I don't think that's how it plays out in the book, if I remember right. I think that's just kind of referenced. Yeah, I, <laughs> uh, it does kind of make it seem like a, a real like small world. It's kind of like I don't think you've ever played one, but in the Assassin's Creed video games, <laughs> uh-huh. like you just have these like little interactions with these like massive historical figures. And, yeah. And it, it's just kind of like laughable. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's just like, yeah, go over there and talk to Napoleon. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like this little like side quest. Thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, Napoleon gives uh Dante's uh a letter. Yeah. Napoleon played by an actor named Alex Norton. Uh, Alex Norton. Who is in one of the Pirates movies. Is he so, in um he's in Braveheart? Prince of Thieves? Uh Robin Hood Prince of Thieves? Let's see. Another Kevin Reynolds movie. Yeah. Uh he is it would be 91. Yeah. No. Okay. What's funny is he is in a movie called Robin Hood from 1991. Okay. But it's the TV movie from 1991 starring uh, Jürgen Prouch now. Oh, wow. Uma Thurman. Is Uh, Jürgen uh, Robin Hood? Uh, no, <laughs> that would be something. He's probably no, uh, he's the way, sheriff. I think he's way too old. No, he plays Sir Miles Falconet. Okay. I'm butchering these names, but uh, Patrick Bergen is Robin Hood, who okay. I don't know that actor. Um, and then Uma Thurman is uh, Maid Marian. Ah, but uh. So yeah, he kind runs. Of funny that that guy's in it, Robin Hood from 1990. Yeah, but not the but not Prince of Thieves, not the one from the same director. Yeah. yeah. So he runs in Napoleon, who gives him a letter, and then uh, he uh, so he and Guy Pierce, who plays Mondego, they return to um, Marseille. Marseille, right? And uh, Mondego is obviously very jealous of. Oh, yeah, and what's funny is how not subtle 
the Guy Pierce performances. Yeah. He's just like openly seething. Yeah. <laughs> at him. He's just like, he's got the most contempt you could ever possibly have on your <laughs> face. Like when he's like Which, happy and celebrating yeah. with his, with his, um, girlfriend, I yeah. guess she is at the time, soon to be fiance. Yeah. Which I think is kind of the way to play it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, uh, this is an Alexander Dumas adaptation. This isn't like, yeah, you're not, you know, this isn't like some sort of great subtlety, you know, work of subtlety. This yeah. is a, this is a big adventure. Yeah, you can thing. dial it up. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, which he does, and I think he's pretty good. I mean, we can talk about that more. But. Yeah, I mean, he plays a prick, and he's yeah. good at it. So yeah, yeah. but. uh so they, yeah, they return to France, and uh, you know Dante's he gets uh, promoted to captain of the ship. Yep. Uh, Mondego is very jealous, uh, and he Mondego knows about the letter that right um, now Dante's hasn't told right Guy Pierce correct about the letter, but Guy Pierce knows anyway. Yeah. Guy Pierce is Mondego. Yeah, Mondego. In case you're reading this, or in case you're listening to this, uh, wanting to know about the the plot, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you want to listen to this to study for your uh, your test on <laughs> Count of Monte Cristo, oh, Lord help you. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of reading the Cliff's notes, uh, yeah. So uh, he's jealous. He's jealous. He learned. He knows about the letter. And he goes to uh, James Frain, right, who plays uh, Villafort, right, right. And uh, we, but that stuff's off screen. Yeah, we don't yeah. we don't find out about that until later. They do they do show us a flashback sequence, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, basically, rats out uh, Dante's. Yeah, it's basically for treason. Yeah, but uh, but Dante doesn't really know what's in the letter. Right. He never yeah. even looks at it. Yeah, he never looks at it. But uh, basically, he's you know suspected of being a, a Bonapartist. Right. Which is, I mean, I I don't know a lot about French history, so I I, I don't I couldn't tell you about like what what the opposite of a Bonapartist <laughs> was. <laughs> I guess whoever the king was at the time. <laughs> Uh, so I just kind of was like, okay, go with it. (laughs) Right. Uh, uh, so then, you know, Dante's gets dragged from his uh, family dinner, uh, to be questioned by Villafort, played by James Frain, uh, who I think I know mostly from, uh, maybe 24. I think he was on a season of 24. I think that's where I know him primarily from. Uh, and then, uh, he, he, he interviews him, he questions him, and then he's about to let him go, right? Yeah. Yeah, but then he finds out that the letter was, uh, to be sent to his own father. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And I think all that, that stuff is in the book, if I remember right. Uh, and then he's like, well, never mind. I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to lock you up in prison. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to so destroy the evidence. He's very vindictive. Yeah. He's a vindictive fellow. Yeah. Uh, 
And that's pretty much like the first section of the movie, right? Right, right. I would say the next portion of the movie, all the stuff in the prison is too long. Yeah, that could have been... I think we spent too much time there. Yeah. Like, the movie could have opened there, and they could have just maybe done some flashbacks to what, you know, the events that put him... Yeah, I mean, because you assume at some point that he's maybe, like, reflecting or telling his story to, like, Richard Harris or something, and you could have had some flashbacks there really kind of condensed it all. Yeah. Um, Because this movie's, like, what, like, two hours, ten minutes? Yeah, around there. Which, it's not, like, I don't know. It's not, like, too long, but... It's close to too long. Right, because, I mean, this kind of movie, which is, I think, kind of, like, light and adventurous, you know, you kind of... I don't know. I kind of just want like a nice little ninety. I mean, I I kind of always want like a nice little ninety minute yeah, experience. A tight ninety. A tight ninety. But especially something like this, which I yeah. think of as just kind of like sort of fluff with a little bit of like classy fluff is yeah. kind of like what I think of as Dumas yeah. and like the whole swashbuckler genre. So I I think we do spend a little too much time in the prison stuff. Yeah, because. He's there. He tries to kill himself at one point. Yeah. Which is about as dark as the movie really gets. Right. So at this point, we're at Chateau Deef. (laughs) Chateau Deef. Oh, and that's where we meet uh, Michael Wincott. Yeah, Michael Wincott, who's not in the rest of the movie, right? Yeah, he's just the the prison warden. Michael Wincott, all-time great movie voice. Yeah. Yeah. Great voice. Raspy voice. Yeah. And his brother, Jeff Wincott. (laughs) Yeah. Who's like a direct-to-video action movie star. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, Michael Wincott's character is uh, not in the book. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The evil prison warden. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. Good good little, like, one-two scene performance from Michael Wincott. Yeah. I mean, Michael Winchester. He's doing his thing. Yeah. He has one mode, and he's in that mode here. He's just, yeah. He just happens to be wearing, like, pantaloons while yeah. doing it. But he's, like, the same character as he is in, like, Along Came a Spider and stuff. <laughs> Gary Sonji. Yeah. Gary Sonji. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Michael Wincott. And he's also in... Uh, I've never seen it in its entirety, but the Three Musketeers movie from... Oh, the 90, like, 6 or 7 one? With, the like, one Kiefer with, like, Sutherland. Kiefer and Charlie Sheen. Yeah, he's <laughs> in that one. casting. Yeah. yeah. So he's in another Disney Dumas. The, the casting in that one makes a lot more sense if it was, like, 1987. Right, like, <laughs> after Young Guns or something. But all, all those guys are, like, older <laughs> when right. they're in that movie. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense for that to be in the 90s. Yeah, like, I mean, you would think you'd go with different, like, Gen X guys or something. Right. But, but all those like guys... Like Ethan Hawke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, like, those guys, they're <laughs> a little too old. They're they're partied out at yeah. that point, because that no, was after yeah. kind of Charlie Sheen's, uh, like, biggest... Downfall. 94, is that right, for the Three Musketeers movie from the 90s? Let's see, I'll look it up. I, I guess 97, like, but I think I'm way off, actually, and then I think about it. Uh, 1993. Four years off, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, okay, that's a little little less, but it's still, I would say that's still past their moment. Right. Those guys' moment. Like, yeah. I think of those guys, like, being, like, 80s guys, specifically. Yeah. That's when they were, like, darlings. Right. In lots of movies. So it's weird, weird casting. Who are the, who are the four in that? I mean, the three Musketeers and then D'Artagnan. Uh, it would have been, let's see, Kiefer Sutherland. Okay. Charlie Sheen. Okay. Chris O'Donnell is D'Artagnan. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Okay. Uh, and we got Oliver Platt. <laughs> Oliver Platt. I mean, I, I know he's in that movie, but... <laughs> but he can't be one of the... No. no he's not one of the Musketeers. I th- Yeah, I think it's just... I've never seen it. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just Kiefer, Chris O'Donnell, and, uh, Charlie Sheen. Okay. No, I think, I think Oliver Platt is one of them. He's a musketeer? I think he is. Wow. Yeah, he's Porthos. I think that's one of them. Yeah, yeah. There's probably some Three Musketeers fans out there that are screaming at the... Oh, for the love of fuck's sake, it's Porthos. Yeah, yeah, Porthos is one of the Three Musketeers. Um. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and the other two musketeers, Athos and Aramis, are friends of the novel's protagonist, D'Artagnan. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, okay. So Oliver Platt is the fourth fourth one. Interesting. Yeah. Tim Curry's in that movie. Right. Uh, Michael Wayne Cott, who we talked about. Uh, Julie Delpy. Would have, ah. would have been great to have Ethan Hawke in there with Julie Delpy. <laughs> right, that would make sense. Um, another, there's another guy that's in that movie that's in this movie. Christopher Adamson, uh, uh, who plays Maurice, which is I oh think he's the uh, the, uh, the shipmate or not the, the shipmate the but guy the other that's passed over right uh, what's his name Dangler or Danglar right yeah his character name is Maurice on IMDb yeah um, but yeah he's the guy that gets passed over for the promotion yeah featured prominently in the book I. If I remember right. right. And then he's also shows up later trying to rob Yes. Him, yeah. And then and then uh, the count catches him. Yeah. He factors in prominently in the count in the count's uh, revenge plot. The count you know what would be fun? <laughs> uh-huh. I have a take on okay. Count Monte Cristo. And maybe this is stupid. Uh, no, it's definitely stupid. Sure. But the count should be also be a a Dracula. It should be the Count Dracula of Monte Cristo, which uh-huh. I know is like a Pride and Prejudice and Zombies like uh-huh. kind of thing. But think about it: the way he dresses in this movie, and when he yeah. gets that evil like like goatee for yeah. his new look uh-huh. and stuff, like he just looks like a vampire. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's got the capes. or like a Las Vegas uh, magician. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely has got like a. <laughs> Uh, yeah, or David Copperfield, or Rick Springfield, circa 2012. <laughs> it's a bad look. The goatee it's a is a very bad look. goofy look. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and nobody recognizes him when he. That's the funniest. We're, stuff. I mean, we're jumping ahead. I know, but that's the funniest stuff in yeah. this movie. The only person that recognizes him is his fiance. Yeah. She's obviously... But she's in love with him. Right. And, yeah. But it even takes her, like, a scene to fully put it together. Yeah. She's, like, looking at him, and she's, like, clearly transfixed, but she doesn't seem to know why. Or yeah. at least doesn't vocalize it. 
Um, yeah. But Guy Pierce has multiple interactions yeah. with them. He's like, oh, nice to meet you. And even at the end of the movie, during the like big confrontation, he's like, eh, Monte Cristo. And he's like, wait a second. When he sees yeah. that he's shaved, yeah, yeah. he's like, you're not Monte Cristo. You're, you're uh, Edmund Dantes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's very funny that, like, Guy Pierce, who is, like, I guess the, like, criminal mastermind of this, is also, like, a dunce. Yeah. And can't, can't tell his best friend. But, but there's a lot of characters who don't recognize him. Right. Yeah. 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 Cause, I mean, he's back in Marseille and he's, like, yeah. engaging in the same society that he used to be a part of. Yeah. Now, the, in the book, I, I think it, he was in prison for, like, 16 years? Like, 18 years? Mm-hmm. Is that the same in the movie, or they never really explain um, I mean, how I, long it's I been? Think that's, I think you can use the Henry Cavill character as kind of like oh, a right. guideline. Because Henry Cavill's, like, 16. Henry Cavill's, like, I think 18 okay. when this movie was made. Yeah. I don't know what he's playing. He could be playing 16, Older or roughly. Yeah. yeah. But, um... Yeah. yeah, roughly. I would say then it's about the same. Yeah. It's meant to be that. I don't think they do a great job of aging Jim No, Caviezel. they don't age up Jim like, Caviezel. He looks basically he the looks same. looks the same. Yeah, yeah. But like Rick Springfield. <laughs> right, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's supposed to be like around 16 or 18 years. Yeah. So. Okay. Well. I mean, I guess that's why they don't recognize him, but he looks the same. Right. I mean, I'm trying to think of there's someone that I haven't seen in 16 years. Um, and if I recognize them, and I don't know, but also there's no one that I was so intimately acquainted with 16 years ago that I haven't seen in that long. Right. So I think if there was someone that I was best friends with 16 years ago and didn't see them for 16 years, I would still recognize them. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, you just grew a weird, uh, goatee. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, yeah, are goatees big (laughs) in this time in history? I guess so. (laughs) Uh... Yeah. So, so what did we kind of gloss over? He was in. Well, he was we sent to prison. prison. We he was at Chateau d'If. <laughs> yeah. uh, he has the scene with Michael Wincott. He tries to kill himself. Yeah. Um, he sees that that scrawl on the wall that says like, uh, "God, let me live" or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah and he's know. about to lose his faith. Yeah, which which is a big thing for Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel, yeah. yeah and he's a devout Catholic. Obviously, <laughs> would go on to play Jesus. Um, yeah, a couple years after this. Yeah, and I, I read some interesting quotes from Jim Caviezel about him, like, refusing to be <laughs> naked for, like, love scenes. I read those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't, didn't think it was right for his wife. And he was yeah. also, but also it's a sin. It's wrong. Yeah. Okay. Inter- <laughs> yeah. Interesting guy. Uh, yeah. Um, the thing I pulled up yesterday, which I thought was insane, was the he was recited that uh, Braveheart speech at the QAnon convention. Yeah. Which is why, I mean, that's... That's a new. That's that's a level. That's I would say. That's, yeah, you're too he's, far gone. At that he's point. a big uh, QAnon guy, right? Right, which is yeah, like adrenochroming and <laughs> all. Yeah, uh, I mean, we won't get into that. No, that's no, a, that's a rabbit hole. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but interesting that that's where Caviezel is now. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. So he tries to kill himself. 
Uh, and then uh, something starts crawling up through the floor. Yes. Uh, digging through. Yes. A person digs up through his cell floor, and that is uh, Richard Harris. Yep. Richard Harris, uh, well-known English actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think of him most as the guy from uh, English, what is it, like English Ben or something from Unforgiven? Yeah, exactly. Uh, is that his character name? I, I can't remember. It's it's English something. Yeah, um, I'll look it up. But yeah, that's that's Richard Harris. But yeah, he's another prisoner at Chateau d'If, and he digs a hole into uh, Dante's cell, and uh, uh, what Dante says. Surprised that he shows up. Yeah, he's like, the fuck is this guy? What is this? Yeah. yeah. At first, I think he's like freaked out. I don't think he, I don't think he's like, what is this? Like a ghost? Yeah. Or is he real or not? Yeah. Uh, and then basically, uh, you know, they talk and uh, Richard Harris reveals that uh, he's a, he was a priest who was wrongfully imprisoned there. Or is that what he says? I, I can't really remember. To be honest, a lot of the dialogue during that this scene in this sequence, I kind of just glazed over. Yeah, I can't really remember what's uh, what he says in the movie here and what's in the book, but uh, yeah, he ends up imprisoned there, and he was formerly a priest, uh, and uh, he offers to uh, teach Dante's, uh, you know, how to read and. Uh, how to sword fight, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and various things. And he also tells him that uh, there is a, a treasure that he knows the whereabouts of the uh, the treasure of Spada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was English Bob, by the English way. Bob, Which, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, great performance in that. Um, yeah, he's good in that. Uh, Unforgiven's a good movie. Um, also... Other famous, and we just talked about this movie, is Marcus Aurelius in Gladiator. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Right. I mean, yeah. also, he's in, you know, older stuff. Yeah. English stuff, like playing, uh, like, King Arthur yeah. and stuff like that. Um, I don't watch Gladiator that often, so right. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I forgot about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's Marcus Aurelius in Gladiator, uh, and then English Bob. Yeah. So... And then also Dumbledore for the first two Harry Potter movies, right. which we'll talk about eventually. Before he's replaced. Before he's replaced by Michael Gambon, yeah. another another good English actor. Yeah. Um, Richard Harris also had a folk career. Have you ever listened to any of his records? No. I actually have one of his records. Oh, really? It's kind of good. But, uh, so he teaches him, teaches him to read, teaches him to fight. Yeah. And then, uh. Uh, and then they slowly kind of plot their escape from right. the prison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they dig a hole and I can't remember. They say it will, it will take about eight years to dig the hole to escape. Yeah. But I don't think it takes as long as they, they think it will. And no. They eventually, uh, you know, they, they reach the ground, uh, but uh, the uh, the hole that they dig it collapses on them, mm-hmm. and uh, Richard Harris's character, the priest, uh, kind of gets trapped in the rubble and uh, gets severely injured, and he ends up 
dying in his cell. And then uh, Caviezel, Dantes, he he has to think quick because he knows the guards are coming in uh, to deliver their uh, nightly meal. So he's like, oh, you know, he knows that they're going to find the body and they're going to bag him up. Body swaps. He body swaps. He's like, oh, I'm going to, when they bring in the body bag, I'm going to get in the body bag. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to do a quick apology for something that we said that's going to be factually inaccurate that someone's going to be upset about, and uh, I don't want that. Uh, But Richard Harris is Irish. He's not English. That is is a key difference. Yeah, Uh, sorry, everybody. And an an Irish person might get mad about that uh, for lot of reasons. I know. A lot of Irish people are You do. You yeah. do. So, yeah. yeah. Rich, and I don't want to take away any any Proud Nation's uh, favorite uh, performers. So, Richard Harris was an Irish actor. Not an English one. So, yeah. apologies. Uh, right. So, they swap body. Er, Does the body swap. Dante's gets in the body bag. Yeah. That mm-hmm. he know is going to be, you know, thrown off the cliffs of Chateau d'If. Mm-hmm. But one of one of the guards knows what's up. Yeah, he figures it out that they, they've swapped. So he tries to run to tell the guards tossing the body off, yeah. but just misses them. He's, like, yeah. yelling as they're heaving Jim Caviezel off the cliff. <laughs> yeah, in his body bag. Right, yeah. And, uh, oh, and Caviezel, who, uh, or Dante's, who is uh, chained... He grabs the the keys. Pretty, yeah. His his plan really. If he wasn't able to secure those keys, he would have just died. Yeah, it's a, a good thing he figured that death. out at yeah. that time. He grabs yeah. them from uh, Michael Wincott. Yeah. Uh, but he pulls him into the water. Yeah. 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 And uh, Michael Wincott uh, drowns in that scene. I think I went to the bathroom when I watched this most recently. <laughs> so I. Uh, I don't remember Michael Wincott drowning. He must die in that scene, right? Does uh, he? Does he live? Does he get up? I I don't really remember, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I watched this about like I just a, a re- week and a half ago. I yeah, I mean, I watched it last night. And I just remember, <laughs> I just remember Dante's like in the ocean, like yeah, on you know undoing his shackles. Yeah, um, I don't really remember. So maybe Michael Wincott lives, or maybe not. Yeah, maybe, I yeah. think he drowns, but okay. I uh, yeah, I went to the okay. restroom. Okay. Well, I, I guess, you know, I guess I should have paid more attention. But um, either way, I mean, Michael Winkow wasn't going to be in the rest of this movie right. anyway. So it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't really matter what happens to his yeah. character. Um, yeah, he, uh, he frees himself from his shackles. Mm-hmm. And he washes ashore and uh, meets some pirates. Yeah, like a, like a big group of smugglers. Yeah. 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 One of which is... Luis Guzman. Luis Guzman, yeah. Yeah. And Luis Guzman is on the shit list of the rest of the pirates. Yeah. The rest of them um, for, what, like trying to steal something, right? Uh, I think so. I can't really like, remember. Trying to steal someone else's in their group. I mean, obviously, they're they're all thieves. Yeah, but. they were, like, all, they were going to kill him. Yeah, right. So. And some of the pirates were like, no, you should spare his life and... Right, yeah. Then, so the the like sort of main pirate um, who kind of shows up in this movie a couple more times after this, yeah. um, 
is like an associate of Edmond Dantes, Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. Uh, kind of shows up Ocean's Eleven style, if yeah, you know what I yeah, mean, throughout yeah, yeah, the movie. A, yeah, yeah. He's got a couple he's got a couple of those like sequences like where it, like yeah. it's a, a wink and a nod sort of All thing. of a sudden turns into like a slippery con man movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so he he offers uh Edmond Dantes a um, proposal where he can ride on the ship with them if he kills Luis Guzman. Yeah, if and, they if they battle to the death. If they battle to the death, yeah. Yeah. And so, if Luis Guzman wins, he gets his spot on the ship back. Yeah. And if Dantes wins, then he gets Luis Guzman's spot on the yeah. ship. Right. Right. And I can't remember if that's exactly how it plays out in the book. I don't think so, but maybe. Yeah. But he, he defeats... Jocopo, yeah, Jocopo, Lu- Luis Guzman, very handily, yeah, and but instead of killing him, he spares him, yeah, uh, and then Luis Guzman swears, yeah, loyalty, for yeah, him. he's like, he's I'm like, your guy, I'm your man, forever, I'm your man, yeah, which is something they also say in the Last Duel, ah, uh, so I guess that's like a French sort of night thing. Okay. Um, or maybe that's just like a just general like yeah. medieval kind of yeah, yeah. loyalty pledge. But um yeah, he says I'm your man. And then yeah. I don't really know why the uh, the main pirates like, "All right, cool, you both can come <laughs> now, but they can." Like, All right, you want to let him live? Sure, we'll let him live. Yeah, that wasn't one of my options that I presented <laughs> you, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, so, you know, he's his man. He's his man, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's just, uh... Luis Guzman is the man, though. Oh, yeah, Luis Guzman's cool. Let's let's go over our favorite Luis Guzman performances. Yeah, so what, around this time, what would he have been in? I mean, I, I think around this time... Like, Traffic would have been a couple years before this. Uh, out of Sight. He's in Out of Sight, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. He's in like all of the Soderbergh movies. There uh, the Limey. He's in the Limey. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he's Maurice in Boogie Nights. Probably my favorite uh, Luis Guzman performance. Yeah. Um. Well, let's see. Two thousand two. Kind of a busy year for him. He's in. Uh, five movies that we're going to talk about oh, this shit. year. Yeah, so we haven't seen the last of. No, this Louis is the Guzman. first of five for wow. Luis Guzman. Um, well, I don't know. I guess we haven't talked about if we're going to do all of these movies, but uh, yeah. he's in the Salton Sea. Yeah, Val Kilmer. We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. He's in Punch Drunk Love. Of course, we'll talk about that. Obviously. Uh, Welcome to Collinwood. Which I think, yeah, that's a small movie, but I think we'll it's talk worth about talking it. about because of what those guys ended yeah. up becoming. They um, went on to become visionary directors. Yeah, yeah. visionary in quotes. If you could, right, if you right. were here, yeah. So uh, yeah. you may not, you may not know who we're talking about, but if you look up Welcome to Collinwood and you look up those directors and what they've gone on to do, you will be surprised. Um, and then he was also in the Adventures of Pluto Nash. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about all those movies, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe we won't dedicate a full episode to all of them, but we'll talk about them. Right. Right. I, I mean, I think this is kind of the start of Luis Guzman 
will do anything mode. Yeah. Uh, because you look at kind of his career, like, he's in five movies in 2002. He's in four movies in 2003, at least two of which are very bad. Like <laughs> yeah. Dumb and Dumber when Harry met Lloyd. Um, he's in only one movie in 2004, but he's in, like, four in 2005, uh-huh. a few in 2006. Like, I mean, obviously, like, he's waiting in 2005. Yeah. So he's a very prolific character actor. Yeah. Show up, he'll, you know, he's in a lot of good stuff. And then kind of after this, I would say, he hits a a rougher patch. Um, Yeah, Louis Guzman's cool. Yeah. I mean, great in Boogie Nights, of course. Yeah. That's kind of what I think of him. Uh, Yeah. First and foremost. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he's also... He's in Black Rain, which we talked yeah. about. Um, he's in Carlito's Way, which I've never yeah. seen. Do you? I've also never seen. Carlito's you've never seen Way. Carlito's yeah. Way. It just came out on 4K, and I was thinking about yeah. like taking a chance and picking it up because I am curious about it. Because De Palma is an interesting yeah. filmmaker. Um, I don't really like Scarface very much, and that's like kind of like it's the spiritual sequel to Scarface. Right. Not really yeah. an actual sequel, but. Um, and uh, he went on to be in uh, Snake Eyes, Snake another Eyes, De Palma. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of, you know, he 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 has he's he has fans and kind of yeah. these big directors. Obviously, yeah. PTA, you know, kind of just starting at this yeah. point because um, he was in Magnolia. Uh, maybe playing himself. He plays <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a celebrity named Luis. If I, if I remember, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, but yeah, he's also a Soderbergh guy too because he's yeah. in like the Limey. He's in Out of Sight. Yeah, um, the Limey is a fun movie. Yes, um, and he's in Traffic. And then also very good in Traffic. I think you know that's a movie I haven't seen in a long time. That's a movie I thought about revisiting not even that long ago. Yeah, um, I almost bought it during the last like Barnes and Noble Criterion sale. Yeah, and I and. That's about to start, like, in a, by the time this episode comes out, it might have started, yeah. I think. So, uh, I might pick it up again. Yeah. Um, He's really good in traffic. Yeah. So, but that's Luis Guzman. Fun character <laughs> actor, big persona. Yeah. Uh, Pretty good in the Count of Monte Cristo. You think? I think he's fine. Yeah. I think he's a little muted for what you want from Luis Guzman. Yeah. But he's still maybe bigger than what you would expect for the character. Yeah. Um, I just really like that part where uh, Dantes is sleeping on the floor in the mm -hmm. mansion because, you know, he's used to sleeping on hard surfaces because he's been in prison for so long. And Luis Guzman walks in and he's like... Did you fall off the bed? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, Louis Cousin's got good comic timing. Yeah. So. Good delivery. Yeah. Travis and I laughed at that part in theaters 20 years ago. <laughs> Maybe we should have had Travis for this episode. Yeah. Um, he may not remember that we thought that part was funny, but we did. I, I believe it. That's fun. Yeah. I think that's funny now. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, uh, All right, so in the plot, we can I think we can safely gloss over some of these things. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, we're uh, so he has befriended 
uh, Jacobo. Mm-hmm. And uh, they go get the treasure. They go get the treasure from right. Monte Cristo right. uh, because that that's the treasure that uh, Richard Harris gave him the tip for. Yeah, gave him the map to mm-hmm. find the treasure. Right. Uh, so they go. They track down the treasure at Monte Cristo. Uh, and what does uh, Dantes decide to do with with the treasure? What, what does he want to do with what he finds? He wants to... Get revenge. Use it somehow to get revenge on the people that put him in prison right. for... Right, He wants to create a new persona for himself. He's yeah. the Count of Monte Cristo now. Yeah. Um, with his money and his riches, and he wants to get into the high society in Paris. Because right. that's where... First he goes to Marseille, finds out they're in Paris now. Yeah. After learning that... His former love is now married to yeah. Guy Pierce's yeah. character. Mercedes married uh, Mondego. Yeah. yeah. So they they go to Paris to get in. He he goes to Paris to get involved in the high society. Um, and first, the first thing he does though is he. <laughs> the movie never acknowledges this. And uh-huh. I wonder if, like it's the kind of thing where like Henry Cavill, who we haven't really talked about yet. Yeah. Um, who plays the son of Mercedes and, uh, who we assume is, yeah, we assume he's the son of Mondego. Even though he looks just like, like he looks actually like strikingly a little bit like Caviezel in this movie. Yeah. There were a lot of scenes where I was like, Oh, yeah. they do kind of look alike. Yeah. Um, and at the end, it's revealed that yeah, it, that's a pretty obvious yeah. spoiler. Yeah, but that is also something I think is not part of the book. I think okay. he's really the son of Montego okay. in the <laughs> yeah. book, and that was just something that. Okay. Well, I guess he knows what works in a Jay movie. Walter. I thought that was all fine. Yeah. Um, so the first thing he does though is he stages a fake kidnapping of Henry Cavill. Yeah. To like get in their good graces because he wants to. Like, yeah. get invited to right. meet the family and stuff. Yeah. Um, Some con man stuff. Yeah. And yeah. so his pirate friends from before yeah. kidnap, and then uh, he shows up to kind of, like, triumphantly save the day yeah. and uh, freeze him. And then and then after he sends Henry Cavill, like, upstairs or whatever, he's like, I'll meet you up there. Yeah. He, like, tosses a bag of coin to his pals. Yeah. Like, hey, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, hey. And, yeah, then, right. like, the camera pans and you realize, oh, yeah, it's his smuggler yeah, bonus. Yeah, yeah, it's a real, real sly, yeah. sly moment. Um, <laughs> that stuff's kind of corny, but I guess yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I just imagine, like, uh, funky music playing, like, in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Split screens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, like, a thing where I think if Henry Cavill ever found out about that, he'd be, like, upset. <laughs> yeah, I think he I think he does. Does he? I don't the, remember him finding out. I think, I'm pretty sure he does in this version. Okay. In the movie, yeah. Okay. I, I think he yeah. figures it out. I mean, I don't think therapy was big then, but I feel like he might, like, that'd be something he'd need to process with his therapist or something. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, man, my... my dad showed up after being in prison for 16 years, and I didn't know he was my dad. And then he kidnapped me and <laughs> pretended to rescue me. <laughs> Just so we could fuck with the guy I thought was my real dad my whole life. Yeah, the guy who's a... Biggest asshole on <laughs> earth to everyone. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so he fakes that kidnapping 
gets in the good graces of... Yeah, then uh, he gets invited to... To Mondegos. He gets invited to Henry Cavill's birthday party. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. Which uh, shows up to... Gets introduced to Mondego. Uh-huh. Doesn't recognize him no. at all, despite no. just having a, a, a magician's goatee. <laughs> um, yeah, he looks basically the same. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> not a like they don't do anything to age Jim Caviezel no, really in no. this movie. I mean, if I if I saw Jim Caviezel looking like that, I'd be like, oh, it's Jim Caviezel, <laughs> but with a goatee. Yeah, <laughs> and you'd think like. I was expecting him to look at Jim Caviezel and do, like, maybe, like, a like double a take. a double take, at least. Yeah. Or, like, when Jim Caviezel, like, walks away, give him, like, a, hmm, wait, do I know him from some more I I knew that, Yeah. Right. But instead, he's just like, oh, nice to meet you. Yeah, he's like, hey. Yeah, moving on. Yeah, and uh, so he meets him again. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, Mercedes is introduced yeah. to the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. And she's a lot more like Yeah. She what the hell's going on. She does a double take. She yeah, she's like just kind of staring at him. And then they have this very like awkward romantic like moment yeah. right in front of Guy Pierce. Yeah. Where he asks her to dance. But she still hasn't put it together at this yeah. point. Um yeah, because she's just like, man, you look like someone I, I knew long ago. Right. Yeah. Well, that's because I'm him. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, Again, I this version, this movie, I don't think it does a great job of explaining that it's been like 16 or 18 years. I don't know if you got that impression, but... Uh, it doesn't. I mean, really, the only way that you could possibly would yeah. be to... Through through the son character, yeah, yeah, because she didn't have a kid when right when when he went to prison. That's really the only way. But otherwise, the three main characters look basically exactly yeah. the same. Um, like Mercedes looks the same, Guy Pierce looks the same, uh, and then Caviezel looks the same. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess part of that's you know they want. Kind of like sexy characters, yeah, in yeah. their adventure movie. They don't want yeah. older. They don't want old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. But like, uh, like in the uh, there was a uh, a French miniseries of the Count of Monte Cristo with Gerard Depardieu mm-hmm. uh, from the late nineties that I think is like the most uh, well regarded of the adaptations. Mm-hmm. At least it's like considered the most faithful. You don't want like an old guy like Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> In your movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So there actually is a, a new-ish version in the in development. Oh, I, really? I don't know where. I don't know, it's got an interesting person attached to direct it. Okay. Um, I don't I don't know if it's actually happening. It was, I think, announced a few years ago. And, okay. And this person's kind of doing other projects right now. So it, yeah. it could be one of those things that never ends up happening. Yeah. But uh, David Goyer oh. is uh, attached Weird. to write and direct it. so Or, okay. or at least direct it. I don't know if he's yeah. going to write it. I know he's traditionally known for his writing. Yeah. Um, wrote the Batman, uh, the, the Nolan Batman movies yeah. with Nolan. Uh, Dark City. Yeah. Uh, Blade. You're yes. right, one of the Blades, or both. Did he... Who directed the third He Blade? might have directed... I think he directed Blade, Blade Trinity. Trinity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, Awful movie, in my opinion. Yeah, really bad. Um, but it does have one of my all-time favorite random character lines in any movie. Uh-huh. Like, this is something I still say to this day. Yeah. And it's when James Remar says, don't fuck with my thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, which made me laugh a lot then. Yeah. Still makes me laugh now. Yeah. And it's also not, like, a well-known quote for that movie, so you can't even, like, find that clip on But YouTube. we remember it. But I remember it. Yeah, 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 we remember it, so. Yeah. Yeah. So from here on, the movie is mostly him uh, kind of uh, sort of fucking with the people that put him in prison. He's exacting his revenge on the various perpetrators. So um, after she recognizes, she recognizes him in the carriage uh, and she thinks that he just hates her now. Right. Um, for marrying yeah. Mondego. Um, and she recognized him because uh, she uh, notices him twirling his hair, right? Right. Which was a tick that uh, he had. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so he just kind of pretends to not know what she's talking about. Yeah. But his body language obviously suggests, like, that, you know, he, he does know what you're talking about yeah um yeah then so then it kind of pivots away from that stuff um he goes on his little revenge tour of paris where first thing he uh the the guy the shipmate guy maurice yeah Yeah. he catches him basically entraps him right yeah yeah exactly yeah Yeah, with with the pirates and they they ride off it's another oceans 11 moment like where (laughs) he he kind of looks at the carriage and them right away, realizing that he's been he's been set up. Yeah, um, and all that stuff. I think the book goes into more detail with, and it's like a little more subtle. And I think that's what like a lot of the book focuses on. On his right, life. which is kind of a bummer to me because this movie, for being like an adventure thing, I don't think it's all that like fun. Like it doesn't have that many like fun yeah sequences and stuff. It, there's only like kind of two major like sword yeah. fights um the one at the end and then like the training stuff yeah um and then this stuff is is more like high society like wordplay kind of stuff which is fine like it's yeah. okay because he 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 takes maurice the, uh-huh. the shipmate guy that he entraps and he he puts him on like a noose uh-huh. on, and he kicks him over yeah. the ship, tells him he's Edmund Dantes. Yeah. And then thinking that like, oh God, this guy's in too deep. He's uh-huh. too revenge minded. He tells yeah. him to like cut him down. Uh-huh. So th- he's not a killer. 
Yeah. Uh, although you do kind of get the sense that he's maybe a, right. lost it a little bit. Yeah. Which I think would have been a fun angle to really, like... Yeah. Like, you know, have him, like, catch himself, like, in a moment of going too far or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. This movie, I think you're right. It might have been a little stronger if it started with the stuff at the prison. Like, yeah. at Chateau d'If and kind of flashback a little bit. I think we should have spent more time with the Count. Yeah. Because we don't really. We yeah. don't really spend that much time him pretending to be the Count of yeah. Monte Cristo. That should have been the majority like, of the movie. It's like two scenes where yeah. he's pretending to be that guy. And then the rest of it is him confronting his yeah. various um, perpetrators yeah. and like revealing himself to them. Yeah. Um, because after this, what he goes to... He goes to see um, the guy's dad, right? The dad of the, the the dad of like the I guess the the lawman or whatever who locked him away, doesn't he? Or is that earlier? Did we uh, skip that? Oh, I thought he died. Yeah, um, Villafort's dad, right? Villafort's dad. Yeah, because who he? who he was delivering the letter to? Yeah, he was murdered by Guy Pierce. Okay. Sometime in... Well, then who's the, who's the old man that he goes to see? Uh, that's his... Uh, and then the, cause the, the daughter is, is just uh, kind of staring at him? Isn't that uh, uh, the the boss? Like, the guy that was about to promote? Uh, or that did promote Dante? Oh, is that, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's who that was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he, doesn't, he doesn't... Has no memory of... Right. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't tell him who he is or Correct. anything. He just kind of... I think he gives him some money, right? Yeah. He gives him some coin. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, then, and then he goes to confront uh, the guy. The guy we just talked the about. The guy, Guy Pierce? No, 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 no. Not the... Not, uh, <laughs> oh, Villafort, yes. Villafort, yes, yeah, yes. Exactly. James Frame uh, yeah, in the, the sauna. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of a fun scene. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I uh, think there should have been more of that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, more... I, it should be more fun. Because I think there's also more of that in the book. Yeah. Considerably. Right. So yeah. he goes to he goes to the sauna, he starts asking him some questions kind of about his case, and the guy mm-hmm. in Villafort's just coming, what the fuck, why are you asking me about that? Who are you? What, what's going on? Yeah. And, but but he hasn't put it together yet, <laughs> despite knowing who he yeah. is. Because he's like, stop turning up the sauna, because at, yeah. at this point... <laughs> at this point he's like, what does this have to do with anything? Yeah. He, if only he would look a little more closely yeah, at this look guy. at his face. Yeah. Yeah. But at this point, Dantes is like turning up the like Turn steam. Up the heat, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, literally and figuratively. Yeah. And then um, uh, he gets, we get a little flashback here to their original sort of yes. uh, conspiracy. Yeah. And you see that uh, the Villafort and Mondego made an agreement to uh, kill each other's fathers. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Guy Pierce killed the uh, Villafort's father who... Dante's was supposed to deliver the letter to. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he gets Villafort to perjure himself. Yes. Uh, and then 
the he turns he dials down the he dials down the steam yeah. and there's a bunch of like police yeah in the sauna which is so corny but also like <laughs> kind of fun yeah at the same time like so, <laughs> it's just like all it. these guys are in this extremely hot room <laughs> in like these full uniforms yeah none of them are sweating except for Villafort who's like sweating profusely yeah and keeps telling him to turn it down yeah but I guess that's like a metaphor for yeah. him, like, <laughs> literally feeling the heat of, like, slowly figuring out what's happening here. Yeah. So uh, he gets him to confess. He gets him to confess. Then he's arrested. Yeah. Goes so, in the back of the the police carriage. Yeah. And uh, he sees, like, a little flintlock pistol there, thinking that he can take the easy way out. Yeah. And he, shoot he tries to shoot himself. Yeah. Uh, and then there's no... There's no ammo in the gun. Yeah. And, um, Chavizel Dantes, the Count, yeah. is like... Leans in. He's like, you didn't think I'd make it that easy on you, yeah. Di? Yeah. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> some interest... Well, it's not even really that English-sounding. It's... No, it just sounds like Jim Caviezel. Caviezel just kind of sounds like Caviezel. Yeah. Uh, who's, like, from, like, Virginia. Right. Probably my least favorite performance in the movie. Yeah, I think he's... I think he's all right. Yeah. I but pretty forgettable considering that's a character he could have really had a lot of fun with. I think yeah. or a better actor could have yeah, yeah. done a lot more with. Right. Because you could have really played up the like he could have done the Bruce Wayne thing, like where he's like, Oh, I'm this like playboy aristocrat guy uh-huh. and he could have yeah. been real flamboyant uh-huh. when he's the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. But he's not, really. Yeah. I mean he's He's just like, oh, I'm a rich guy, and I'm going to toast Henry Cavill at his birthday party, <laughs> and I have a goatee. That's about yeah, the extent Yeah, very of it. bland. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, he, uh, so, Maurice, he's got locked up, and Villafort is in prison. So Right. It only leaves... Mondego. Mondego. Yeah. And, and this stuff all happens... Pretty fast. Yeah. This is like the major yeah. plot. I feel like this movie. is what most of the movie could have been, but it's just kind of like it's shoved into squeezed like the last. Into the 30, last yeah. yeah, it's like the last, the last 30 act. minutes of the movie. Um, when in reality, I feel like most, like you said, most of the movie could have been this easily. You could have yeah. written it in a way where it's structured like that, and I think that would have been more fun. Yeah. Um, because at this point, what he like through Luis Guzman tells well okay first first he he, he has sex with Mercedes again oh right they rekindle yeah. they yeah. rekindle their romance and mm-hmm. then the next day uh, he's gone when she wakes up but Luis Guzman tells her get your get pack your shit yeah we're moving away uh-huh. grab grab your son. Yeah. We're, we're leaving. Right. Um, because at this point, Mondego is a wanted man because he's, you right. know, the authorities know that he's a conspirator. Yeah. So she goes back to her palace where Mondego is. Yeah. He's like frantically yeah, packing. Yeah, he's packing everything up. He's like, yeah, the I'm wanted for treason. Yeah. He's like, we yeah. gotta, we gotta go pack your things. Yeah. And then she tells her, she tells him, I'm not going. Yeah. And then she also tells him that, 
the kid's not his, right, at this point? Uh, or is that later? Is uh, that in the final? That, I think, is... Yeah, I think that is this point. Okay. Okay. So, immediately, we're, like, at the end of the movie. Yeah, because, because Guy Pierce, Guy Pierce is like, no, you're coming with me. And then she yeah. tells him that the kid's not his, and he's like, okay, well, fuck you then, <laughs> basically. Yeah. He doesn't care anymore. Right, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and that basically leads us to the final, uh, the big duel. Yeah, and the, the kind of the lasting, like, visual, like, memory I have of this movie is always the, like, blades of the grass, like, where the last duel is. That's, like... The last duel in this movie. The last duel in this movie, not yeah. the last duel. Like, you know, they're at this, like, sort of, like, abandoned, yeah. like, it's like the, it's like a stable or like a... Yeah, it's like, like outside a, the the horse stable. Right. Yeah. And and then there's all this, like, tall grass. And that's where they have their duel and their yeah. big confrontation. And, uh, yeah, and it's like a very uh, quick sword fight. Yeah, it's not long yeah. at all. Um First, Caviezel, or Guy Pierce is just there. Yeah. He's already there. And yeah. then uh, Count of Monte Cristo shows up to confront uh-huh. him. And <laughs> this is the part I was talking about earlier. Where Guy Pierce is like, Monte Cristo? I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <Or> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what do you have to do with any of this? <laughs> and, and then. A and big then, idiot. He doesn't <laughs> get it at this point. But. And then. And then Dante sort of like steps out of the shadows and reveals that he's shaved. He's shaved. And, he, and he's like, wait, what the fuck? Uh, Dante. Yeah. Everybody's like, what are you doing here? All because he shaved that goatee. Yeah. And then Henry Cavill and Mercedes, I don't remember Henry Cavill's character name. Uh, um, Mondego Jr. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't remember his character name either. <laughs> So they they show up and um, along with Luis Guzman. Luis Guzman's there too. Yeah, they're all there. <laughs> Everyone. I don't there. know why they're Everyone's all there. there. Yeah, and um, Luis Guzman's always like around. Yeah, I mean he's following his man. Yeah, um, and uh, Guy Pierce sort of readies his pistol, and Luis mm-hmm. Guzman like throws a knife at his hand yeah. to like uh, yeah. like get him to miss. Yeah. Uh, Dante's, but it hits Mercedes. She gets right. hit in the shoulder. Yeah. Um, and then Which, they fight. Yeah, and then they they go out in the grass and have their big... They have their big duel. It's our big swashbuckling moment. Right. Yeah. Right. And then... Which is not in the, in the book. Yeah. I think there's very little swashbuckling... In the book. Okay. Yeah. Well, I can appreciate that they would want to include yeah, more that of would that make stuff sense. for, for yeah. a movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, pretty pretty standard sword play. Not, yeah. Nothing too interesting. It's fine. It's, it's, it's a, a good little, sword fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's not that long. It's kind of short. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, like I said, this movie cramps all of its major, like, action. Yeah. Like, it spends almost as much time in the prison as it does yeah. all of this stuff, which is yeah. weird. Like, I mean, because the, there's so much in the book, they have to, they have to squeeze it. Yeah, and really condense it. Two yeah. hour and ten minute movie. But I feel like they could have... They picked the wrong... Yeah, they could have squeezed 
some of the less interesting interesting stuff a little bit more and kind of stretched out. I think we could have spent a maximum of ten minutes at the prison, and it would have been fun. Yeah. Like, show him grow a beard, show him do a little training with Richard Harris. Yeah. And that's it. I don't think we need the Jeff Wincott character, even though he's fun. Or Michael Michael Wincott. Wincott. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Wincott. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Jeff Wincott, definitely not going to be in a uh, major motion picture. (laughs) Um, Because we, he escapes Chateau d'If at the... At the 45-minute mark, right? Yeah. I mean, it takes a long time to actually get into the meat of this movie. Yeah. Um, you laugh every time I say Chateau Deep. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun uh, word to say. It is fun. Um, uh, all right. So they have, their, they have their sword fight. He kills Mondego. Yeah. Obviously. Right. Um, stabs him with, yeah. with, with his dueling sword. Um, and in the book, I think Mondego dies via suicide. I could be wrong because I haven't read it in a very long time, but I think he just kills himself. That sounds right. There's a lot of suicide. Yeah. In this story. Um, and then from there, it flashes forward, right? They're like at, they're like at that like cliffside house, uh, by, uh, the prison. Yeah. If you want to say the name of the prison. Chateau d'If. And you just see Dantes, like, by himself on the cliffside. And then uh, Luis Guzman, Henry Cavill, his son, mm-hmm. uh, and... Mercedes. Yeah, she uh, survives. Yeah, yeah, you aren't, like, it's funny because you see him walk out of the, like, house, mm-hmm. um, but then in a few seconds, it does, like, a real goofy camera trick to reveal Mercedes standing behind Dante's. Uh, right, like a really sped up. Yeah, yeah, and it's, like, meant to be, like, a reveal, like, oh, yeah. she's there also, because you can't yeah. see her behind him. Right. But they already showed all three of them walking out of the house. Like, yeah. I don't know why you're revealing it. Like, I didn't think that was just some other random lady all of a yeah. sudden. Like, I, I knew that was her. Yeah. Um, and then there they tell Henry Cavill, right? Or no, does he find out at the He duel? finds out earlier on, like yeah, before he, the, the big duel, that okay. he is the son of... He uh, takes it all pretty well. Yeah. Because he really takes a shine to the Count of Monte Cristo, because yeah. he's nice to him and right. stuff. Uh, and he, he gives him his birthday speech when Guy Pierce doesn't care to. Yeah. Uh, which, Henry Cavill's like crying at uh-huh. his birthday party because of that. Yeah. Um... This is the first. This is the first thing I. I yeah, I've never. Seen. I didn't even know. Yeah. Like, because I saw this movie back then, but I didn't know who Henry Cavill was at the time. No. What was the first thing that you remember seeing Henry Cavill in? Superman. Superman. Me yeah. too. I mean, he had Immortals, that Tarsum Singh movie. Yeah, I did see. But that. I never saw that. Yeah, I saw that in theaters, and yeah, that was like his first starring role. Right. But yeah. I... It wasn't until Man of Steel, I think, that I even really knew Henry Cavill. Yeah, by was. name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I I think uh, after this, uh, both uh, 
him and uh, Jim Caviezel were considered for Superman Returns. That's weird. Yeah. That's weird. Father and son. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, they're definitely different. Uh, way different ages. Ages. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then it went to Brandon Ruth. Yeah. Who is nobody now, basically. All right. Does not um, do a whole lot now? Yeah. I feel bad calling him no. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> he was in Dylan Dog. Yeah, that's okay. Well, I don't know. That's a is. movie, right? That's what that movie's called? I mean, he's in, like, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. I remember him from that. Yeah. That was, like, the last thing I remember seeing him in. I think yeah. he does TV and stuff, maybe, Zach now. Zack and Mary make a porno. Oh, is he in that? Yeah. I don't like that movie. Neither did I. Uh, but, uh... So, yeah, everyone's happy. They're yeah. on the cliff. Just sort of looking over the the ocean. Yeah. At the Atlantic, I assume, or I don't know where <laughs> the fuck it is. Maybe one of the seas. And then uh, the movie ends. And the movie's in. The movie ends. Yeah, it's over. A film by Kevin Reynolds. Kevin we didn't Reynolds. Really, we didn't really go into Kevin Reynolds. No. Uh, Kevin Reynolds, uh, I think he's... You know, people usually think of him as being Kevin Costner's yeah. like, go-to director because he did Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and right. Waterworld. I I didn't like before we did our Snow Dogs. I don't. I didn't really know who Kevin Reynolds was, uh-huh. but then finding out that he's like the same guy did all of those movies. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, that makes sense. He's and, a uh, he's a Costner man. Hatfield and McCoys. I think he did that whole he miniseries, did that, which yeah. I have seen. That I have seen that entire miniseries. Uh, yeah, I think I saw some of it. Right. Um, it was fine, I guess. Yeah. For a History Channel original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, he 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 did one really bad movie. Let me look it up. Like recently, uh, he did or what, more like recently, Tristan and He's Old. Well, he did do Tristan and He's Old, two thousand six. I think yeah. that kind of hurts his career. Uh, if you kind of look at the trajectory, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Because after after this, he does Tristan and He's Old in two thousand six, which is a movie I could have sworn was like earlier than two thousand six. <laughs> that feels like a two thousand four movie, yeah. Me, but I realize that's kind of splitting hairs. Uh, he did Hatfields and McCoys uh, in twenty twelve, and then he did Risen, yeah, at, uh, with Joseph Fines, yeah, uh, like Romans, like, yeah. It's like a biblical, like biblical procedural kind of, right? right? Isn't that yeah. kind of what that is supposed to be? I think it's supposed to be bad, like Cliff Curtis. I mean, it, it looked bad. Yeah, I never saw it, but yeah, yeah. That's 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 the end of Kevin Reynolds. He's yeah. got a couple projects in development, but, but like you look up almost anybody on IMDb, and they've got projects in development, yeah. and you know, I would say yeah, seventy five percent of the time those projects don't happen. So. Yeah. It's an unreliable uh, source sometimes, right? But he did Waterworld and he did uh, Prince of Thieves. You you rewatched Prince of Thieves recently? I did right? watch it recently, kind of because of this. Yeah, uh, I, I saw that because I watched it. Uh, I I liked it a lot when I was a little kid. It scared me when I was a little kid. The sword fighting? No, isn't there like a like a an old like kind of scary oh, yeah. old lady? There's an old uh, yeah, like not old not like a drum. witch, but a. Uh, like uh, um, uh, Alan Rickman, who plays the sheriff of Nottingham, has like a, like an old uh, psychic mm, by his side. Yeah. 
She's yeah. probably the one that scared you. Yeah, it's, that's what scared me as a kid. Yeah, Alan Rickman, who's pretty good in Prince of Thieves. Yeah, Alan, Alan Rickman yeah. was great. Uh, yeah. I we think were, he we kind of... We robbed of more good performances yeah. from him. I think he kind of notoriously uh, rewrote his lines. Oh, that's for cool. That's Prince fun. of Thieves. That's like, always fun. Against the screenwriter's wishes. Uh, well, I trust Alan Rickman's yeah. judgment. Because I think. I think he kind of interpreted the material as trash. So he was <laughs> like, I'm going to... Well, he is He is like a... The- he was a theater guy. Yeah. So that makes sense. So he's like, I'm going to camp this up a that, little bit. That rules. That yeah. rules. I mean... Yeah. How could how could you argue with Hans Gruber about what <laughs> yeah. a, what a good movie villain should be? So I think Costner wasn't a big fan of that decision, though. Well, uh, Costner, Costner seems like a, a structured guy. Yeah, he he wants his movies done exactly <laughs> the way he envisions them. Right. Um, yeah. That I don't know. I don't know. But uh, we'll, we'll be able to talk more about Costner when we get to our Dragonfly, Dragonfly episode. Dragonfly, that's like yeah. coming up pretty soon. Pretty soon, yeah. yeah. Um, so Waterworld stunt show. Too. Yeah, the wa- I can't believe that's still a thing. Is it? It's oh yeah, wow. oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I I can't imagine a lot of people that actually like go to Universal Studios and attend that. Like, yeah. really know Waterworld is. Yeah, but um. Uh, well, before we wrap this up, I do have uh-huh. some box office stuff okay. that we can go over. We can talk, talk a little bit about how much this movie made. Uh, budget? Well, actually, first, let's, let's grade it. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I might be a little generous on this, but I would, uh, I would go maybe C+. Plus. C plus, wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm C minus. Okay. C minus for me. Yeah. It, it, it just it lags a little too much. It does. Taste. And then it and then it hurries up way too quickly. So all the stuff that I wanted to see more of, mm-hmm. and it doesn't linger on nearly long enough. And yeah. all the stuff that I was like, okay, this is kind of boring. Is yeah. the stuff that they really like let marinate. So I I just wanted more of the fun. Like, I wanted him to, like, play up the persona. I want Because he doesn't really act like a different guy. He <laughs> literally just calls yeah. himself a different name and yeah. has a goatee. That's it. Yeah. And But, like, for me, like, I, I think it would have been fun if he had, like, more of a persona. And maybe, like, he even, like, takes a little too far and has to, like, mm-hmm. reel himself in from sort of the... I, I, I mean, I think I'm just, like putting the Batman mythos <laughs> into, into yeah. Dumas. But, yeah. like, for me, for a movie version, I think that would be really fun to yeah. see. Um, I think there is, you know, I think you could kind of take the bones of this movie and do more with it mm-hmm. and make something that's actually yeah. really fun. Where you could kind of take, like, the the story beats that they changed yeah. from the, the novel and, and then add... Yeah. More sort of, uh, you know, spice to it. Yeah. It would have been... I think you could do a more, like, entertaining 90-minute version of this. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. There, There's lots of stuff that you could trim. That, I mean, that being said, for a two-hour, ten-minute movie, for me to not totally hate it, I've either got a... Most of the time, if it's a long, yeah. over two-hour-minute movie... I feel like I I have to love it or else I'm just going to hate it because yeah. it's way too long. 
Um, yeah, I, I was entertained enough throughout the movie. I think it, I I will say during the first like forty five minutes, I found myself just kind of like. This is the thing I this is the thing I hate about watching movies at home sometimes is mm-hmm. I, I'm too prone to like grabbing my phone. It's like why I, that's why I wanted to see Dune in the theater for sure. Yeah. Um is I didn't want to be distracted and I didn't want to have the temptation of it. And there were times in the first forty five minutes where I'm just like I'm like, well, let's see what the IMDB trivia page for this has to say. And just, like, yeah. find myself reading that. And, and I look up and a whole scene has basically gone by. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but, yeah, during during the second half, I found myself a lot more yeah. compelled. Yeah. Uh, so. And Guzman shows up. Can't argue with Luis. Yeah. So. C minus for me. Yeah, I'll go C plus, a little higher. Okay, all right. Yeah, definitely, definitely the highest grade we've given out so far. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I'm not, Mothman prophecies might be the, the closest contender. We'll, we'll, have to we'll see. see. Yeah, yeah, that's coming up. Uh, uh, really quick, could you see a version of uh, this coming out nowadays? Uh, yeah. Because I feel like it would be a a Netflix miniseries. Yeah, I I, I could see it working, whether or not it would actually happen, though, is another another question. And, I mean, no. I (laughs) I guess if you're asking if I think it could happen, no, probably not, because I think the way movies work now, it's like if it's not one established property yeah. that Disney owns or whatever, then mm-hmm. it's it's a straight-to-streaming, yeah. maybe yeah. a miniseries, like you said, or, you know, or a less. Right. So, I mean, movies are in that kind of, like, feast or famine. I think we've kind of talked about this, where it's like, if it's not a mega-budget thing, then it's a nothing-budget yeah. thing. So... Yeah. I, yeah, I feel like if it were to come out now, it would be, like, kind of a more YA... Right. Flavored Netflix miniseries. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, Some young heartthrob. Right, which would be bad, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Baby Driver. Ugh, I hate that guy. (laughs) Ansel Elgort. Uh, I've seen the, the West Side Story trailer so many times. Uh, basically every movie I've seen in theaters for the last, like, month and a half, which is... I hadn't really been seeing a lot of movies for a long time, <laughs> and then I feel like lately I've seen a lot of things, <laughs> uh, and I've seen the West Side Story trailer every single time, and um, I think it looks alright, or whatever, I guess, for a West Side Story remake done by Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Ansel Elgort, that guy's got the personality of like a cardboard cutout. He sucks. <laughs> I only really know him from Baby Driver. I haven't seen anything. Else I, I, I mean, I, I, when we see One Night in Soho, I guess we'll talk. We can talk a little Edgar Wright. Maybe that can be the the next director yeah. we rank. Uh, I don't like Baby Driver at all. I think it's bad, <laughs> which sometimes people are like upset about when I tell them. But wow. we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. talk at Gray. We'll save it for another episode. Maybe, maybe next time. We'll yeah. see if we've seen One Night in Soho by then. Um, but before we go, let's let's do a little bit of box office, and then we'll talk the Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh-huh. 
for Count of Monte Cristo. So this had a budget of $35 million. Uh-huh. Pretty modest. Yeah. Kind of expected. I think it looks good. Yeah, it does. I mean... It Cinem- looks pretty expensive, actually. Right, yeah. yeah. The sets and stuff look very like, good. In the Pirates of the Caribbean-esque. Right. I mean, I, I guess a lot of that's because they shot on real locations, yeah. so they didn't have to, like, build sets and stuff. But I think, yeah, it looks yeah. pretty... Pretty damn good. I think good. Kevin Reynolds is one of those uh, last of the diehards guys mm, that, okay. you know, yeah. doesn't like green screens. And, respect, then. Yeah. Respect. Okay. So, this movie cost $35 million, like I said. Uh, it opened at number five. Wow. I actually thought it was a bigger, uh, like, was a little, opened a little bigger. Yeah. It made... Made about $11.3 million mm-hmm. at number five, which is pretty good for a number five movie yeah. back then. Um, but then again, a lot more movies were coming out on yeah. you know, days with each other. Um, yeah, n- open at number five. Number one was Black Hawk Down still. Still yeah. still the king. Uh, Snow Dogs, number two. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and then... Uh, Another movie from new release from this day, uh, A Walk to Remember, ah, is number three. Okay, which kind of makes sense yeah. because it it fills a fills a you know more specific genre niche than, than yeah. maybe a swashbuckling Demos novel would yeah. would do. And then uh, number four is A Beautiful Mind, still mm, from last still year, still going strong, still going strong, yeah, because of the Oscar. Yeah, we got the Oscars coming up, right? Right? Yeah, right. So, and it ended up going on to gross $54 million. Not, not a lot, but respectable. Pretty, yeah, You know, I mean, doubles its money just in the States. Did about yeah. $75 million worldwide, which is kind of interesting. I would have thought maybe it would have more of a European presence yeah. just because of the source material. But, I mean, only, add, yeah. only added about $20 million yeah. to its total. But, I, I guess... Maybe that makes sense because probably didn't have a huge like Hong Kong or yeah Japan right uh, take, but uh, but uh, seventy five million that's respectable. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean that's you know triples its yeah. triples its budget basically almost. So yeah, I saw it opening weekend. Yeah, you were there. I was there. You were there. Uh, all right. Uh, let's let's play let's play the game. So critically, how do you think it did? I remember it being pretty decently well reviewed. Uh, I w- I mean, not like uh, unanimously well reviewed, but I think people liked it. Uh, I would say maybe high sixties or mid seventies. I'll say like seventy two percent. Pretty, cl- pretty close. Uh-huh. Pretty close. 73. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, 73%. Um, I also checked the Metacritic score uh-huh. because I like checking both just because the Metacritic score is kind of like the composite like grade, yeah. whereas Rotten Tomatoes is obviously just the positive or negative mm-hmm. and then adds the percentage from there. Um what what do you think the Metacritic score was? Metacritic is out of a hundred for any listeners who aren't familiar with it. It's it's a zero to a hundred. Uh, uh, anything above sixty is considered generally well reviewed according to their scale. 
Um, sixty-one. That's. I feel like you might have. You might have. I don't think you looked. No, I did not look. No, but you might have subconsciously seen it on the IMTV page, <laughs> okay. and it stuck in your brain because it's sixty-one. Oh, okay. <laughs> so pretty good. Uh, I, I'm not accusing you of cheating. I don't, I don't think uh, you did. I just. It's, you got it exactly I mean, it just right. seemed like it uh, was on the cusp. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies. It didn't get, like... Like, it, it had pretty good reviews. Yeah. But none of the reviews were, like, four stars. You have to see this. Right. This is incredible. It's just mostly like a fun, just like, oh, yeah, they had a good time. Fun old Exactly fashions. what we talked about. Like, yeah. the reaction that most people would have yeah. to this movie is how critics react to it. They're like, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it was good. That was it. <laughs> exactly, right. So, no, not not emphatic praise, but, yeah. uh, you know, well-liked enough. And yeah. Currently, the best movie of 2002. Yeah, I would say so, so far. We'll see if uh, next week, Kung Pao can be thrown in. I don't think I don't, can. I don't think so, but, <laughs> yeah. That's right, Next uh, next episode, we got Kung Pao coming up. Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Yep. Steve Odekirk's uh, magnum opus. Yeah. Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Steve Odekirk, collaborator of Jim Carrey mm-hmm. in the 90s. Did, directed uh, uh, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, right? Did he do that? That's right. I think so, yeah. That and... Uh, Thumb Wars. Thumb, yeah, Thumb Wars <laughs> and... Uh, uh, why am I blanking on the Martin Lawrence, uh, Tim Robbins? Nothing movie. to lose. Nothing to lose. Yes, he yeah. directed Nothing to Lose. That's the, right. Yeah, I always get him mixed up with Tom Shadyac, who is like another one of yeah those guys. Who did Ace with, Ventura one? Right with yeah. with Jim Carrey. Yeah, he's the Nutty Professor, Carrey and, collaborator. Yeah, and Dragonfly. Dragonfly, which we're going to talk about in yeah. a month or two. Yeah, um, coming right up. Yeah, so we got Kung Pao coming up in in two weeks. Uh, not like we're well, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel. We watched the trailer yesterday. Yeah, we, before we watched eighty eight minutes. Um, uh, I uh, I mean, we'll talk about it. I'm dumb. I was dumbfounded by that trailer <laughs> because I mean that's a movie I've seen multiple times. Yeah, but I didn't remember it being quite like that. Yeah. And I don't know what that is. I guess that's open to interpretation. Yeah. But if you watch it, you'll see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I do remember thinking it was very funny the first time I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny, And then too. not so funny the second time I saw it. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was a one and done, for and sure. Then, <laughs> and then I just kind of was there in my brain, and I've just thought about it over the years, about how it's probably pretty bad <laughs> now. But that first time I saw it, I thought it was hysterical. <laughs> well, we were, what, 13, roughly? Yeah. So. Yeah. You can excuse us for that one. But, so yeah, that, that'll be next time. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to this entire discussion. Yeah. Check us out uh, on Twitter or Instagram. Both of them are 2002 podcasts. They usually post the same stuff on both. So, I guess yeah. follow one or both. Um, we got to put that Brian Bonzal picture 
Oh, I forgot about that. You yeah, gotta send that to I'll, me. I'll send it to you, and you can throw it up. Or I gave you the login. You could. Post yeah, I could do it, it myself. Yes, but yeah, uh, we'll get that up, I guess. And then uh, please review the show on iTunes. Give us five stars if you want to. Yeah. That helps people uh, find out about the show. Helps it show up in the algorithms. Uh, we're on Spotify now. So I guess if you're listening to this somewhere else and you don't want to listen to us, or you're listening to us, you can check us out on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time for Kung Pao Enter the Fist. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.